silent pictures or yesterday's news welcome to the movie ladder podcast we're all about cinematic connections each week we're discussing a movie that connects to the movie from the previous week's podcast i'm zach brooks and for the 127th time i'm joined by Brad and fitzpatrick and zach i thought for sure you were going to go with i abhor people who speak but have nothing to say ah like us uh, yes, exactly. Well, hopefully yes. our guest has something to say today. I mean, yeah, you could never you could never use that line to describe our guest. Uh, MTL is returning to MLP. I always act like it's like a surprise when I'm announcing the guest, but yeah, right. it's in the it's in the title. So you already know. <laughs> Megan the Librarian is back on Movie Ladder Podcast. Golly. I'm Golly. back. <laughs> <laughs> Megan, how are you? Good to have you back. Oh, yeah, it's great to be here to talk about, you know, my favorite director. My favorite mm. actor. Pretty good movie, I'd say. Um, we'll have to get into where this falls on your list of your favorite director and your favorite actor. Well, at least your favorite director's movies. Um, maybe we'll talk about that. Uh, Ranking things is arbitrary and reductive. Good point. It, it, everything. As is giving a score to something. Um, Indeed. I think it's thumbs up, thumbs down. Binary. Did you enjoy it? Did you not enjoy it? Uh I don't, I don't, I don't like giving scores, as everybody knows. I kind of think when I give a score, my if I give it like four stars, it's like I would watch this again. Mm. Whereas mm. if it's below four, I probably wouldn't. Right. Okay. Right. I like that. I enjoyed um, it, I, but I don't see going back to it. So something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I get that. What, where I get tripped up, and I, I've said this multiple times in the podcast, is I'm like, well, I gave that movie four, and if that right. movie's a four, then like this movie's gotta be like, for example. Uh, I'm just going to reveal my movie map right now is going to be catch me if you can. And I'm like, right. well, <laughs> right. how do I rank this? Like, what did I give catch me if you can? Cause I feel like that's gotta be close to what I give this but movie. That's why it's a rating and not a ranking. It's a rating, not a ranking. So therefore two things can have the same, you know, can have the same score and be okay. It's like, but what if I give something I enjoyed more a lower score Then that's where I get tripped up. I don't know. It, it doesn't yeah, matter. It's, yeah. It's all it's all arbitrary. Anyways, last week, speaking of silent pictures being yesterday's news, we discussed Chaplin. Mm-hmm. And this week, due to a biopic about a uh, Hollywood, uh, you know, somebody who's in Hollywood in the mid century, mid 20th century, we discussed The Aviator. Man about then Hollywood. Had, yeah. And I said, ah, and Hollywood. And uh, then at the end of the episode, we'll decide, decide on, I got kind of Canadian there, decide. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> decide decide, on eh? our, decide yes uh, on our next episode uh, based on suggestions sent in the list from the listeners and us your hosts uh, we'll be spoiling the aviators so if you've never seen it it's on HBO Max mm-hmm. so you can watch it or you can skip ahead and uh, listen to what we're going to be watching next week timestamp is in the description of this podcast spoilers for history and if you haven't seen it why not what are you doing yeah yeah, it's uh, what year is this? Two thousand four. The yep. almost twenty years. This movie. You've had plenty out. of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was interesting. This is the first time I've gone back to this movie since sitting in the theater and watching this movie. Hmm. Um, That's funny. I I've rewatched this at least two or three times, if not more. Um, it's definitely a movie that I always want to go back to, and then the runtime is like, oh yeah, this is a three hour movie. But I, it's a movie I constantly think about. Um, I I really yeah. I, I like. I, I really enjoyed revisiting this movie for this podcast. My letterbox tells me I have logged it seven times. So uh, yeah, but I think I might have. I, I mean, I've. I only really started like tracking my movie viewing in around 2006. So mm-hmm. I do have my 2004 
viewing of the aviator in there because I, I remember I saw it on my birthday. Nice. Uh, my birthday when is, is December, birthday? December 27th. Mm. Ah, nice. So quite often these Oscar bait type movies open and I, I like to go to the movies on my birthday. And uh, I was, I, I just said that ranking th- things is arbitrary and reductive, but I was trying to rank my birthday movies. I, I do mm. think the aviator is the best one. I did try to, I, I, I did try to remember if I saw this in the theater in 2004, I would have been uh, a junior in college, um, my second junior year in college. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I can't remember. I would have been home for Christmas break. And I'm trying to remember because we always go, go to see a movie with my family around Christmas. And I'm tr- I was trying to remember if this was one that my mom insisted that we go see as a family. Um, but I, I I don't recall, but that maybe when I first saw it was when I was home for Christmas break, 2004. Yeah. I just did a quick check of movies released on December 27th. Mm-hmm. Um, and this this is from famousbirthdays.com. Okay. Um, and the number seven movie is something I've never heard of. The number six movie, a movie we covered on this podcast, August Osage County. Oh. Oh. The number five movie was Death to 2021, which is like the Netflix mockumentary. Yeah. That does yeah. not the number, number four movie is Traffic. Mm. Uh, the number great, three movie great is... Christmas movie. Yeah, Death to 2020 was the number three movie. Oh God, what are we doing? Uh, the number two movie was Chicago. Oh, and the number that's one That's actually movie, a good uh, movie to go see with your family over Christmas. Yeah, sure. it's a good birthday. Uh, number one movie is Ice Princess Lily, released in 2019. <laughs> I don't know that one. I, I don't know that one. It's, I usually, you know, end up seeing something that was released on christmas usually i'm trying i'm trying to think like i did i think i made a list of my birthday movies do you want to hear my birthday movies absolutely oh yeah always okay okay catch me if you can apparently yes so i don't i can't say that i remember going to that on my birthday but i you know i guess okay mona lisa smile which i went to see because you know i love tori amos and she's in it mm-hmm. uh the aviator the chronicles of narnia the lion the witch in the wardrobe i never saw that oh i like that one dream girls okay uh, I remember going to see that because my sister was going to come and then she didn't because her dog fell through the ice in the park. Uh, he was okay, but she oh was God. very like freaked out. By yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awful. Oh well, I'm glad then, the dog is okay. Yeah, he was okay. Then I skipped three years when I was living in Vancouver. I did not go to a birthday movie. The, the Fighter, ah. uh, Les Miserables, the one with nice. Hugh Jackson, American Hustle, which I did not like. Yes, that was one that was a Christmas movie for our family that we went to see. That was the year that like Wolf of Wall Street also yep, came out same. at Christmas. Yep. I should have gone to oh, Wolf yes. of Wall Street on my birthday. We went, we went and saw both as a family. Yeah. Going, yeah. Sitting through Wolf of Wall Street with your mom next yeah. year. Yeah. Not great. Oh, we <laughs> could do a whole ranking of the worst <laughs> movies to watch with your parents. I think I have that on oh, yeah. Letterbox, actually, to be honest. Um, but I remember going to Blue Valentine. Uh, oh, no. Very, very bad movie to go see with my mom. Yes. Yeah. Uh, in the theater. Yes. Yeah. Uh, then I had The Imitation Game, Spotlight, and Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. And then mm-hmm. since then, I have not gone to the movies on my birthday. Uh, was Welcome to the Jungle the second one or the first That's one? That's the first one. Remember. That was okay. literally the only thing playing that I was remotely interested in seeing. <laughs> so, oh, and, you know, I enjoyed it. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Thanks. All right. Well, that's a lot of preamble. Speaking of things <laughs> that you enjoyed... Um, why don't we talk about the best thing we watched this week? And Megan, you get to go first because you're our guest. Okay. Yeah, I didn't really watch anything good this week. Um, <laughs> it's always hard when that happens. Yeah. Uh, but I checked 
the, the best thing I've watched since the last time I was on the podcast. Oh, uh, right. Yes. Thank yeah. you for correcting me. Yes. Yeah, I, 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 well, you were here for the hours. That's right. Uh, yeah. I always forget. I always forget. It's with guests. It's what's the best thing since the last time you watched. I don't always forget, but I forgot tonight. Well, if I had watched something really good this week, I would have just gone with it, but mm-hmm. I didn't. So, um, but I watched the movie Bergman Island. Oh yeah. Yeah. To check that out. I heard it was really good. It was very, very good. It's it's Vicky Creeps, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, from Phantom Thread and Tim Roth play yep. a married couple who are filmmakers and they go to the island where Ingmar Bergman lived. And then you basically get like a movie within the movie because you hear yeah. Vicky Creeps' characters working on a screenplay and Mia Vashikowska, I think is how you pronounce her name, plays the main character in that. And the guy who was in um, The Worst Person in the World... Yes. The the first boyfriend is is the male lead in the movie within the movie. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It it uh was not as depressing as a typical Bergman movie. Oh. So, that was good. Very nice scenery in Sweden. Had a good score. Very it's enjoyable. It's the island where he shot a lot of his movies, right? Like Yeah, um, there's like a Bergman tour that you can okay. go on apparently. So, cool. you see all these sites and I think you get to see his house and like, yeah, I I really liked it. On. That sounds good. You watch that May fourteenth, twenty twenty two. It looks like. <laughs> oh, thank you for checking. I did it for the yeah, movie good. ladder multiverse of madness again. Uh, yeah, and I forget how I can. Oh, I watched a whole sequence of Mia Wasikowska movie. <laughs> <laughs> Wasikowska. I actually watched a video of her pronouncing her name because, for some reason, I thought it was Wasakaya, but it's not. Mm. And she's Australian. Did you know um. that? <laughs> This movie's directed by another Mia. Mia Hansen Love was the director. Oh, there you go. Of yes. Bergman Islands. Lots of Mias. Mia to Mia. Yeah. Um, all right. I, uh, yes. What? what I was going to joke that um, <laughs> you could have connected to something with her from Mamma Mia. Mm-hmm. True. There you go. Yeah. Or if we ever do Pulp Fiction, there's a character named Mia in Pulp Fiction. Oh, that's right. True. Probably the most famous. I feel like that's like the most famous on-screen Mia. I can think of more famous than Mamma Mia. Mm. Probably. Probably. Uh, Brendan, how about you? What's the best thing you watched this week? Yeah, so it was uh, Linklater week uh, on the Criteria Challenge, and I don't mean pick a Linklater film. I mean Richard Linklater picked his top ten favorite Criterion pictures and made a list on the Criterion channel of his favorite things in the Criterion Challenge. Or in the criteria question. Too I many C words. With I, know, I know, I always do that. So of the Linklater picks, I w- watched another Scorsese movie since we were doing a Scorsese movie this week. And I watched uh, The Last Temptation of Christ from, 1990, from 1988, starring Willem Dafoe and Harvey Keitel. Willem Dafoe, um, who also pops up in The Aviator as well. Yeah, he does. And so it's a nice connection um, there. Like, in preparation, I was like, oh, it's Willem Dafoe. Um, So I really thought this was really well done stylistically, visually. I thought Dafoe is really good. Um, Harvey Cattell is not not great in this movie just because he's he's not trying to be anything other than Harvey Cattell in this movie. And it's hard to separate his persona from the movie when he does nothing to try to distinguish it himself. Um, but overall, I thought this was a really interesting telling of the, um, you know, of the story of Jesus Christ from a very different point of view and 
the point of view of like what if Jesus was not only the son of God but also maybe insane? Or I don't know if it was he insane or like human. I feel like it was more like, like what if he was like fallible like human. human. Yeah, I mean like what if he had human frailty and also like people thought he was insane because of all of the visions and things that he could do and so it it tries to portray the story of Jesus in a much more quote unquote realistic light for the time you know um it's very gritty very grim um i i thought it was really good especially because i watched it right after finishing the uh fx slash hulu series under the banner of heaven starring um andrew garfield which is all about the founding of the mormon faith combined with andrew garfield's character investigating a murder in uh in mormon town in um Utah. And so it was really interesting to go from a show all about Andrew Garfield's Mormon detective struggling with his face while he investigates this murder, and then switch to this struggle of faith of Jesus in this movie. And so they were really interesting juxtapositions to each other. Um, overall, I really liked the movie. Um, I don't know. I haven't done a Scorsese ranking yet. I don't know where I would rank this. Probably I'm not. You're gonna do the, one before today's podcast. I, I didn't do it. I, I ran out of time. I did not it's do it. It's too hard. Thinking. Um, it is too hard. Um, I I sat in front of my laptop and I was like, I'm not doing this. I um, do have a Scorsese ranking for us to talk about, but it is not mine. But I, but, I did pull a Scorsese in place of my own Scorsese ranking because I'm not ready to do one. I did pull a different yeah. one that we can talk about. I so. did still give Last Temptation of Christ a four stars on Letterboxd. Um, so but I don't again. necessarily think that that it's in my top ten Scorsese films. Yeah, like, is would, that weird? No, but that I I mean I think well, I'll probably talk about this when we do our ratings for the mm. Aviator. But like his stuff is so hard to rate. Right. But yeah, I I feel I mean I like the Last Temptation of Christ. I think it's really interesting. But yeah, it's not mm. one that I would be inclined to just put on because oh, I feel right. like watching that today. You know, it, it's kind of the same thing Zach was saying earlier, where like really this should be like a movie that I rate a little lower because while I enjoyed it, it's not what I'm going to revisit. So it's like, you know, that, that was what Megan of... was saying. That's Megan's ranking, which I am using that from now on when I think about things as <laughs> four versus three and a half. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I remember really liking it. It was the last movie I watched for Criterion last year. Um, and I watched mm. it the day after Christmas. Oh, um, which was very uh, I was like, yes, perfect. Um, right. And I was surprised how good Willem Dafoe was in it. Mm. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And la- I, I don't know. I think I would, if I was going to go back and watch it, I think I would last, like, just go back and watch the last hour versus rewatching the yeah. whole thing. We, I mentioned the Chronicles of Narnia briefly before. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, the that's one thing that stands out about The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe for me is the way uh, C.S. Lewis portrays um, uh, Aslan's crisis of faith. And Aslan is yeah. the Jesus character. And I, that's, like, the Last Temptation of Christ and The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe are sort of the two, like, cultural takes on that that I think of. They're obviously very different, <laughs> but mm. <laughs> still interesting mm. to think of them as a pair. Yeah, I definitely prefer this to Passion of the Christ, which I've only seen once, and I don't think I'd ever go back and watch Passion of the Christ again. I don't think I will ever watch that. I don't think I'm ever going to watch that movie either, so I'm glad I watched this, though. Yeah, as a Jewish boy growing up, I didn't know the story of Jesus until I was much older. Um I mean, I I knew of it, but I didn't know like the details. Right. Good so. that you learned it from Mel Gibson, then. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mel Gibson and Martin Scorsese. Rather learn it from Scorsese. The best thing I watched this week was not a movie with Willem Dafoe with the word Christ in the title. Uh, Uh, That was the worst viewing experience. I I thought the movie was very effective, but Antichrist was the worst viewing experience I've had that I can remember. Um, (laughs) there There were moments in Antichrist that it is the most, like, some of the most visually disturbing stuff I've ever seen. That, like, I was driving the next day and I was thinking about a moment mm-hmm. where Willem Dafoe gets hit with a log. And I, like, thought I was going to crash my car because I tensed up and I was, like, getting sick to my stomach. Thinking. And this was, like, like 20 hours after I watched the movie. Uh, oh, dear. So Antichrist, very, very disturbing, very, very effective. Um, I think it would be a hard movie for parents to watch. I would not recommend it, especially to Jeff. Do not watch this movie, Jeff. I think you will hate it. Uh, but other people might be able, might have a, more of an appetite for it if you're sick. Like it's fine. You're sick. Anyways, <laughs> the best thing I watched was a Quentin Tarantino movie that's been on my watch list for a long time, and it was so much fun. Um, I well, it was a Quentin Tarantino written movie. He did not yes. direct it. Uh, oh, okay. True Romance. I finally watched True Romance, and yes, uh, and. I just thought like there were such good characters in this. We we're just talking about Brad Pitt. The three of us were in a group chat. We we're talking yeah. about Brad Pitt. I love Brad Pitt's character in this. Um, and this movie is just like everything Quentin Tarantino. He just didn't direct yeah. it. But like every line is just like, oh, yeah, that's Quentin Tarantino wrote that. Yep. Yeah, that's a movie reference. That's uh, super vulgar and offensive. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's Quentin Tarantino. So Yeah, yeah I really I watched it a couple of years ago. Um, really, really enjoyed it. I can't remember if I watched it for my personal ladder or I believe you first- did. The first Criterion Challenge, maybe, but I really, really enjoyed it. Um, Tony Scott, I believe, directed. Yep. Um, top, top Guns, top, Tony Scott. Um, yep, the top really, really enjoyed it. Um, really great Christian Slater performance. Um, James Gandolfini pops up, which is oh, yeah. really surprising. Spoilers. So um, violent. It's yeah. so violent. Wait, you know, this yeah. was way before Sopranos, and as I was watching this movie, I was yeah. like, oh, so when, my, uh, when David Chase was making Sopranos, he saw this yeah. character. He's like, oh, yeah, I think yeah, that is my lead. Years. Yeah. yeah, I uh, my friend Luke from work, shout out Luke, um, mm-hmm. that it's one of his favorite movies. And uh, I told him I had never seen it before. And I was planning to watch it as part of my uh, Scorsese curated movie festival. And uh, he said he would lend it to me. And then he said, do you want it on DVD or Blu-ray? Because I have both. <laughs> <laughs> he really he, he says it's he watches it every year. He really loves it. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I really love it, but I'm not, it's not one I'm going back to every year. Like, if I, maybe before Quentin Tarantino does his long awaited final film that he said he's going to do, um, and that'll be like the last one he ever does, quote unquote, maybe I'll go back and redo all the Quentin Tarantinos and then we go up to that. But, or, you know what? I would not be opposed if that movie, if this movie ever came up on the podcast. I think that no. would be a fun one to yeah, do on the podcast. I think it has come up before as a connection. Yeah, it has. It's on, it's on the movie letter watch list. Um, yeah. And uh, if you, speaking of podcasts about this movie, you do watch it. Um, the rewatchables on this was really fun. Um, yes. I was a big fan of that. So I listened to that. I went back into the archives, listened to that too. So mm-hmm. um, it's one of their earlier, they, it's like 2018. So, it's, you know, they're talking about Quentin Tarantino's movie that's coming out next year uh, oh, yeah, called yeah. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. They're like, Brad Pitt's <laughs> going to be the lead in that. Is he though? He is. I'm reading the book and he is the lead in the book more, I yeah. would say, than. Uh, than uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character. So, Rick. Um, Rick, yeah, Rick Dalton. I should know that. I'm reading the book. I should remember the name of the character. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, true romance. Very fun. So, all right. Well, shall we get into The Aviator? Uh, Martin Scorsese's yeah. 2004 biopic, 
about Howard Hughes. Of course, last week we did a biopic about Charlie Chaplin. Um, Both, you know, kind of took place in similar time periods. Not exactly the same, but that, you know, kind of World War I time. Same period of time, yeah. From when when the movie starts to when Charlie is telling his autobiography to Anthony Hopkins is about the time span of this movie as well. Yeah, but that one started in 1899, I think, or the 1890s, and this didn't start quite that early. This started when he was was filming uh, Hell's Angels. Well, you start, actually, you start with the scene of him and his mom in the bathtub. True. Which, let's see what year Howard Hughes was born. And it might have been around the same time. Probably was around the same time, I bet. Well, no, he was probably a little younger, right? Yeah. Uh, Hughes was born in 1905, so... Okay, so yeah, yeah Chaplin been, was, yeah. what, 18-something, 90-something? Yeah. yeah, so he would have been about 10 years older. So. Yeah. Um, well, Megan, you are a guest for this. You're a big Scorsese fan. Uh, what are your... You know, you've seen this movie a bunch of times. What, give us some initial takes on The Aviator. What's your uh, take? I think it's great. I think it's... Uh, it might be Scorsese's most conventional movie, I think, but... It's still because it, it's a biopic and I think, you know, it has a lot of the biopic conventions, but it's like, um, yeah, it's a really it's really fun to watch. I find especially the first part with uh, with Kate Blanchett is really, really fun. The two of them, Leo and Kate Blanchett, just sort of are, jump off the screen to me. I think they're and she she is great as Catherine Hepburn. Catherine Hepburn, another one of my favorite actors. So I feel like this is the closest we'll ever get to Marty directing Catherine Hepburn in a movie, mm. which is kind of fun and uh yeah I think it's like it it even though it is very different than a lot of Scorsese's movies it still has like some of the themes that he often deals with like uh to me all of his movies are about the pressure to like fit in in sort of man society and how if you're not like super quote-unquote manly it can be really tough um and I think we see that with Howard Hughes a lot through his mental struggles and uh yeah i think it parts of it are like a really you know harrowing portrait of mental illness like he's mm-hmm. very um yeah there was one i was what was the scene that i was thinking of there's one scene in particular that i felt was like really um tough to watch i think the one where he starts saying show me the blueprint show me the blueprint yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's like he's desperately trying to stop himself you know and it's really mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a great performance from Leo as well. So can you, I don't know if you could think all the way back to when you first saw this movie, um, but did you know much about Howard Hughes when you first went no. saw this movie? No, I did not. And what I was saying to Brendan before we started recording that when I saw the movie, I immediately was like, okay, I need to read a biography mm-hmm. of Howard Hughes. And I mm-hmm. I still haven't, <laughs> but <laughs> I think it would I should at some point um, because, yeah, very, you know, very interesting guy obviously mm-hmm. um yeah and yeah that was my reaction i think and like i i want to say too like so okay i was like 17 when romeo and juliet came out and 18 when titanic came out so mm-hmm. uh the height of, this Leo, ex- of yes. Leo mania this so that so you know okay i i i i am a you know i was a teen leonardo dicaprio fangirl and so um, I would like when he made when they made Gangs of New York, that was really how I got into Scorsese. Mm-hmm. So like if it wasn't for for, you know, 
Titanic, really. I mean, I'd seen Taxi Driver, I guess. Yeah. And I think I might have seen The Age of Innocence. But it wasn't until after uh, all, like, well, really, yeah. All these movies started coming out that I really delved into Scorsese's filmography. So, mm-hmm. um, yes. Brennan, what was your first Scorsese movie? Ooh, that is a great question. Um, I'm trying to think if I saw Goodfellas. I know that I saw Goodfellas when I was way too young to see Goodfellas. I was yeah. pro- like, I know that I probably saw it on HBO when I was like 11, whenever it premiered. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to think if I saw anything before that. I may have seen King of Comedy first, but it's hard to say for sure. But yeah. um. Yeah, definitely it was good. But the one I remember most distinctly seeing is Goodfellas and becoming obsessed with that movie. And if anyone asked me, like, what my favorite Scorsese movie, my first instinct would be to say Goodfellas. Um, And then I would have to come back and reevaluate. But I really love that movie. Um, And that, similar to this, that one, you know, is an unconventional biopic, but a biopic nonetheless. Um, yeah, I mean, I remember, I think Goodfellas was yeah. the first one I saw as well. And I feel like that was also the one that was like on TV the most. Yeah. Because um, I, I, I mean, I don't remember the first time I saw it, but it was that and Raging Bull were the first two that I know mm-hmm. I watched. Um, and, you know, both pretty interesting in terms of, you know, Scorsese's done quite a few biopics, actually. As I, it's yeah, true. Like, I, I don't think of Goodfellas as a biopic, but you're right. It is a biopic. And yeah, Raging Bull is so uh, different. Yes. Um, yeah. Raging Bull actually much more similarly structured to Chaplin than this one is because you get the older version the of the character end, at yeah. the end of the, at, mm, yeah, book exactly. end of the movie. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, Silence is that is that based on a true story? No, it's based on a novel. It's yes. a Jap- it's a Japanese novel, I believe. Yep. It's about uh, three Jesuit priests who go to Japan to try to bring Christianity to the uh, New World or yeah. Other World. Well, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, the aviator I think was probably pretty early. For, well, no, because I watched Raging Bull and Taxi Driver in high school, and I think I watched Goodfellas before then. Um, yeah. So the aviator wasn't quite that early for me. Um, but I, like Megan, I didn't know anything about Howard Hughes going into this movie mm-hmm. the first time, and the only time I've seen it besides yesterday was in 2004 when I saw it in the theaters. Um, and I will just say, on the first watch, I liked this movie a lot more than the rewatch. Interesting. Because I was so interested in Howard Hughes and I didn't know where the story was going at all. And watching it last night, I really felt the runtime. I mm. just was, I, 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 I uh, you were talking, like, it's not that I dislike this movie, but you were talking about defending its honor. And I, I will say I'm like a little bit cooler on this movie this time. I think the performances are great. I think it's really well made outside of some CGI that's not well made. Um, but mm. I just, I, I was looking at my watch a lot watching this movie last night. And when it was over, I was like, Oh, that felt like that took all night to get through. That's that's in, that's incredible. I, I I felt the exact opposite watching it last night. I did I did not really feel the runtime, but I did feel like there were a couple of clips you could have made and you would have lost nothing from the movie. Like you have two characters that serve the exact same function in this movie. You have Noah Dietrich played by John C. Riley, and then you have Gavin Belson from <laughs> Gavin Silicon Belson. Valley. Yes. Both That's as his, his assistant, both as his, his executive assistant, both essentially playing the same role, and you could have like made the narrative a little easier if you made those one character. And then the same thing with the middle of the movie when you have him dating Ava Gardner and the other younger actress. 
honestly, you could have lost the whole 15-year-old actress thing. I would have been fine with that. And then yeah. you don't need Ava Gardner in this movie. Ava yeah, I don't Gardner think, I don't think, only, but I think it's, can uh, I, can, yeah, Ava okay. Gardner is only in this movie so that you can point at the screen like a Leo gif and go, oh, it's Ava Gardner. Oh, she just said Frank Sinatra. Oh, it's, a, you know, and it's like, it's so unnecessary because she just is there to do a Catherine Hepburn scene that Catherine Hepburn wouldn't have been around for because of the actual sticking to history of the of the movie, where I think the movie could have broken a little from that and not have that in there at all, and it wouldn't have lost anything. So you could cut like a good 15 minutes out if you combine two, those two characters and cut out the Ava Gardner stuff, and you're good. Otherwise, I think the movie actually works really, really well and flowed really, really well for me. Um, as soon as the everything happened with the Coconut Grove and the making of Hell's Angels, I was like right back into the vibe of this movie and just enjoying the progress it made of telling the narrative it tells over, you know, 30 years. Yeah. And I think for me, it's not about cutting characters out because I mm-hmm. like how many characters I like how many, uh, you know, Gwen Stefani pops up as Gene Harlow, right. for example. And like, it is fun. And like, I wouldn't want them to ch- combine characters to like take away from, I-, I want it to be more realistic account of his life. Yeah. I just think like the scenes just ended up running long. Like there mm-hmm. were times when I was like, okay, yes, like we-, we can move on to the next scene now. And I, I just thought we like stayed with everything a little bit longer. And when it's the first time, I was much more like, Ooh, where are we going to go? What's going to happen next? Who's he going to run into? But on this time, I was like, all right, let's get to him, you know, locking himself in his screening room. Um, mm. Because I think that's like the most interesting stuff in the movie. To, well, that and like the, I think making, all of the making of Hell's Angels at the beginning is really interesting to mm. me as well. So, uh, Megan, what about you? I've, I've been smirching this movie so much about the runtime. What are your, what are your thoughts on the length? I have no complaints. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Who's the guy from Silicon Valley? Is that Odie, the mechanic? Uh, that Odie is, Kirk. Yeah. yeah. Odie Kirk, yeah, yeah. So okay. he plays, like, the head of, basically, like, the version of Google that's in Silicon Valley. And he's oh, very, okay. he's, like, a big he, asshole in that in that show. And it just I, was funny to see a young version of him pop up in this. I always think he looks like Danny Kaye. But I think, really, okay. they just have similar coloring. But I don't know. If they ever remade White Christmas, I would cast him, I think. But, um, no, I, yeah, I don't think it's too long. I mean, I, yeah. I, I do think, like I said, like my favorite parts are the parts with Catherine Hepburn. For sure. Um, and then I think that the conflict with one trip and mm-hmm. uh, Senator Brewster is really interesting, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I really like the scene where he uh, where Howard goes to lunch with Senator Brewster. And yeah. it's the, really the way that they like prey on his weakness is he really. Yeah. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah, um, when he, yeah, when he, when he comes out, you know, and he cut, run, and he's like gra- gasping for breath, and he runs to his mm. cane. It just feels so bad for him. Like people are so mean. Yeah, and, I really <laughs> love the way the movie um, portrayed his OCD in like because Howard Hughes is not a good person throughout a lot of this movie. Like he's not the best guy in the world, but the movie does a really good job going out of its way to also showed the complicated humanity around someone who has a mental illness like he had with his OCD. Because, the like, I was doing some research beforehand 
Martin Scorsese and Leonardo DiCaprio purposefully went to UCLA Medical School before making this movie and said, we want to make sure that we give a honest and non-offensive portrayal of what life would have been like for someone like Howard Hughes in the 1930s and 40s when there was no diagnosis for OCD. He just had a mental illness and there was no like cure or therapy for him. So like what what would it have been like? And then they took that and put that on the screen. And I think it's done really, really well and really, really effective. Yeah, I think what's interesting thinking about this movie in a post, mm. well, not really post-COVID, but like a partially post-COVID world, mm. uh, depending on when you're listening to this. Hopefully it's not, uh, that doesn't age poorly. <laughs> but, you know, we see the first scene with him, the one that you talked about where he's being bathed by his mom mm. and she's making him spell quarantine and is talking about cholera. And it's sort of like, is are there kids that had an experience like that where, yeah. you know, you sub in COVID for cholera and they Probably, had the last yeah. two years where the word, you know, cleanliness yeah. and, co- and quarantine, quarantine and all these things yeah. are like beaten into them. And when they're 40 years old, are they going to have uh, these, you know, uh, uh, mental complexes that, as a result of that? If I could lock myself in a screening room for four months, I, mm. I would. Yeah. I, just, I, I, can't, I can't, I like can't be around people anymore, but uh, yeah. <laughs> apparently, apparently, during that time period where he was locked in a screening room for four months, Hughes ate nothing but candy bars, uh, chicken breasts, and drank only milk. Yeah. Yeah, the milk thing was interesting. There's a yeah. lot of uh, – I did notice, like, some, some interesting – uh, patterns in this and there's a lot of yeah. references to different kinds of dairy yeah. uh, between the milk the milk that we get at the end um, but then also the ice cream that he's eating throughout this movie <laughs> yeah. too there's ice cream a couple times I freaking um, love the ice cream scene yeah. <laughs> yeah. the ice cream fight is like maybe one of my favorite single moments of the movie yeah um, also Brussels sprouts um, yeah. which was funny because I also ate Brussels sprouts last night Brussels sprouts uh, last night I did like not when eat he, the fish when he, no I like when he gets the steak and 12 peas. Yeah. Like, yeah. and then, and then freaking Jude Law ashes <laughs> on his steak and he's like. <laughs> One of the things that really kills yeah. me in this movie is when after the, after he crashes and Howard's in the hospital and yeah. freaking Errol Flynn is there in the hospital and you're like, what is yeah. he doing there? There's no sign that Howard no likes him. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, so no random to me that he's yeah. there waiting. Yeah, I was trying. So Errol Flynn, that name seemed so familiar. And I was like, yeah. tri- I was looking at my notes. I was like, did Errol Flynn pop up in uh, Chaplin last week? We talked about uh, him in context of the Douglas Fairbanks character last week. Yeah. Okay. That yeah. would be why. Because I was like, no, that was, I was like, oh, wow, Errol Flynn was in both movies. And I was like, oh, wait, no, that was Douglas Fairbanks last yeah. week. Uh, sure played by Kevin Klein. But they yeah. serve the same purpose in both movies, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they're, yeah, they're very, uh, you know, they're, they're very sim- wash, wash, similar. Buckle, buckle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I don't know. Like we talked about *Raging Bull*, and it has like that bookend with the older character. And mm-hmm. I do wonder, you know, Chaplin had that too. And I do wonder if the Aviator could have used, at least for me, for some of the pacing issues, if we would have had some kind of like l- larger bookend time jumps to like give some context well, around this instead of just going chronologically. Like see, we did. I like that he plays with it in a different way in this movie than he does with *Raging Bull*, because the first image of the movie you get is his mom watching him. And then during his final breakdown, before he's staring, when he's staring into the mirror about the way of the future, the way of the future, he sees again his younger self and his mom mm-hmm. leaving him. So it does have that framing device. It's just a 
it's all it's actually a little a little similar to Raging Bull in that they both end with the end and begin that's with true. the character staring in the mirror, right? True. So yeah, that's a good point. It's seeing a different version of themselves. So this is like a kind of a he is using Raging Bull, but in a different way. You know, mm-hmm. I wish the the ending I find is really. Um, the last time I watched it really hit me that I was like, oh my God, this is so sad. And I had like, <laughs> I had all these deep thoughts about the ending at the time that I now can't remember. I wish I'd written them down, but it, I <laughs> if do. If only you would have known. You I know. Podcast 20 years later. I like, I went on to Letterboxd. I'm like, did I write it in my review? I'm like, no, I didn't. Okay. Well, but I think it was um, maybe remind me a little of Shutter Island that yeah. the, that sort of, it's that, sort of resignation I think when he mm-hmm. when he's when he smiles and says the way of the future he's like well I guess this is it kind of like that's how I read it anyway but he's also like it's so sad because he can he he knows that something's wrong with him you know he hasn't yeah. just he's not like the guy in Shutter Island for most of the movie is doesn't know there's anything wrong with him whereas Howard right. feels himself deteriorating which I think would yep. be really frightening especially for someone who has such a like an ordered mind yeah right He's so um, mechanical and wants everything precise, which I guess is his problem. But yeah, we've definitely done a lot of movies that tie that can connect to this. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, you know, it's one, two, three, four, five. Uh, it's come up six times uh, yep. as a suggestion, um, and I have all probably five out of six by me. <laughs> well, I, su- uh, I know yeah. I suggested after Catch Me if you can. Yeah. I have the yeah I have the document. Well, I'll just go through the documents. So I it. have each of the documents up. Uh, so it was suggested by Brendan off of Shutter Island episode Makes number fifteen. Sense. Yep. Um, and then it was suggested next. I, I pulled up every document for this. Uh, it was suggested by me off of Citizen Kane, and oh, I guess this okay. just kind of like a biopic of this time period. Yeah. Um, which I guess, like, the Citizen Kane was made during the time period when this movie um, Also, Citizen Kane was made, I believe, with Howard Hughes' production company, RKO, right? That's not his production company, is it? Isn't it? I don't uh, know, but... I don't think so. But... Maybe I'm wrong. Okay, I don't think somebody... so. I think that I would have been right. correct me if I'm wrong. I think I, I think... just suggested it because it's, like, the, you know, the... the life story of a rich guy yeah i think actually i think hell's angels was released by united artists actually which is the chaplain pickford yeah Mm -hmm. boom yeah um and it did make the finals that week Uh, we ended up going with raiders of the lost ark uh then off of philadelphia story it was suggested Uh, oh yeah that's a natural connection due to the cape hepburn um well and and that's the movie because hughes bought the movie rights for that's what i was about to say yeah 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 um brendan you suggested it did not make the finals but mama mia did make the finals off of philadelphia's story oh wonder Uh, we did not end up doing mama mia um (laughs) then it was suggested off of um meet the parents by Mm -mm. megan yeah yeah the awkward family scene Um, then it was then it was suggested off of Catch Me If You Can by Megan as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course. Uh, then, uh, of course, last week off of uh, off uh, of Chaplin. I don't know who, yep. who suggested off of Chaplin. I can't remember. You did. I did. Megan oh. did. That's why she's on Megan this did. week. <laughs> no, that's not why she's on. She's because <laughs> she's a Scorsese super fan. Uh, <laughs> uh, other, some other no, fun it's stuff. It's funny because I was going to suggest it and she took it from me. So it was uh, like, yeah. oh. Well, I think because uh, I, I was like, Brendan loves the aviator. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great call. It was a great uh, call. Um, yeah. S- some other fun stats. So this is our fourth Scorsese movie. Uh, yes. So not yet in the five timers club, just the fourth timer. So we had okay. After Hours, Mean Streets, uh, Shutter Island, and The Aviator. Not in that. So order. how do we rank those? Um, so I would say this is the best out of those. This is the best of the th- the four that we've done. I would say. Yeah, in my opinion, yeah. 
Um, yeah, I think so. Oh, Shutter remember, Island is remember, close. Shutter I mean, Island I, is really well, good. I, I remember really, really liking After Hours. Um, I thought See, After Hours had some interesting stuff. Yeah. If I do not have a ranking, but if I did, I would say that everything between Raging Bull and Goodfellas, that whole decade yeah. would not be in my top tier at all. I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of Leo movies, I think this is our fourth Leo movie. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Shutter Island, yep. Catch Me If You Can, and The Aviator, I believe. Um, and I, I don't think, think I'm missing any. I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, then this, then Catch Me If You Can, then Shutter Island. I would flip Catch Me If You Can in this, I think. Um, but they're all close. They're all, yeah, they're all close. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I am going to be rewatching that, that probably this weekend once I finish this Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the book. I think That's... I'm going to rewatch it this weekend, too. Watching The Aviator really made me want to watch Once, time in, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood That's for some reason. Yep. And Shutter Island. But... Yes. Oh. Both of those. Yes to both of those. Yeah. But we did have somebody join the Five Timers Club this week. Kate um, uh, Blanchett? Any... No? Not Kate Blanchett. Um, John C. Riley. Johnson oh, Riley. Yeah, right. Boogie Nights, Boogie. Magnolia. Go ahead, Zach. Yeah, Boogie Nights, Magnolia, Thin Red Line, The Hours, and The Aviator. Uh, wow. He's in The Thin Red Line? Yep. Wait, I guess it's been a while since I watched that. Yeah, he's got a mm-hmm. supporting role in Thin Red Line. Yeah, thank, huh. thank you, Letterboxd. I would have forgotten that. Yeah. Uh, Kate Blanchett, I think it's only the second movie with Kate Blanchett that we've done Correct. after uh, uh, Hot Fuzz she was in, which I don't really remember her being in Hot Fuzz. Um, I, don't, I don't remember a lot about Hot Fuzz. It was so long ago. Was I don't remember if I've seen Hot days. Fuzz. Oh, that's a season one episode that you can go back to when you do. Mm. Uh, you watch it. I've seen Hot Fuzz. I've seen the other one. I've seen Shaun of the Dead. Mm, yes. Um, let's see. So what else should we talk about? I thought um, the significant. Oh, uh, speaking of milk, clouds that look like giant breasts full of milk. <laughs> yes. <laughs> one of the best moments in this movie too is I think when he's talking to Odie and he's and he's Odie says. You really think they're going to let you release a whole movie about tits? And he's like, sure. Who doesn't like tits? Doesn't and then like smash tits. cut to the censor board. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's <looks Yeah>. really funny. <laughs> yeah, we do get a couple trials in this. Or like, you know, yeah. kind of kind of semi-trials. Right? We get the censor board. We get the Senate hearing as well. Um, Everything in the Senate hearing, like, is riveting to me. I love I love a good, like, courtroom slash Senate hearing scene. And watching, like, Alan Alda and Leo go back and forth in that scene is just fantastic. Like everything is building to that. And then you get it like cross cut with the preparation for the Hercules. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just like a really like fun climax to this movie. And I, so I, I really, really liked um, revisiting that scene specifically last night. And then, and then you get like the launch of the Hercules and it's like such a triumphant moment. Cause yeah, mm-hmm. I think the cross cutting is really effective. Cause like, mm-hmm. There's the part where he asks um, the meteorologist, like, what what's the wind doing? Right. And he says, would you say that's a headwind? He says, yes, I would. And then it <laughs> and it's like the exact same thing that's happening in the hearing is like, yes, he is now. Like, Howard has taken control of the hearing. He's got a headwind. Mm-hmm. I also yeah. wanted to mention Ian Holm as like. Well, he's fantastic. He's so hilarious. As uh, <laughs> Dr. Where, where is he from? U- USC? UCLA. UCLA, I think like, that's. I, it, ke- yeah. I kept wanting him to, uh, to like, you know, his face to get evil and him to freak out like at the beginning of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, that's right. like what I always. <laughs> think about, even though he's been in a lot of other stuff. Um, I, I love him 
so he's so there. great. I love when he's when they we're in with when uh oh, sorry in the censor board meeting when he suddenly is like who me I have to talk about boobs yeah exactly like, yeah. so good right, he comes in as a meteorologist and he's just like his issue expert <laughs> on everything yeah. uh. <laughs> he is an expert in pillowy white clouds that's right, right? Yeah, that's true yeah, yeah that's, that's true that's a good point yes uh, clouds shaped with uh, giant breasts filled <laughs> with milk oh yeah. lord. Uh, going back to Alan Alda for a second, I just wish yes. Alan Alda would narrate everything in my life. Oh yeah, he's uh, I just love his voice. <laughs> yeah, uh, he is really great. And then I don't do, have you guys. Do I remember that neither of you actually has watched Mash the TV show? I've never watched nope. Mash. Okay, no. because movie. you know Easter egg is that Hawkeye is famously from Maine. Like hmm. Senator Brewster, so I thought that was ah, nice touch. Hawkeye Pierce is from a place called Crabapple Cove in Maine. So anyway, I thought that was great. kind of neat. Alan Alda is not from Maine. I checked. I was wondering if that was a like a in joke, but but no. But yeah, he is great, and he was nominated for an Oscar for this. I always kind of forget that, but that. yeah, yeah, that's odd. Oh yeah, uh, we but should pull up the the Oscars for this one. I I, uh, I know it was nominated for some stuff. Well, Kate Blanchett won. Yes. Okay, Pledge One. Okay. Yeah. Uh, best so, supporting actress, right? Yeah. So the thing I always forget is that that is actually how Catherine Hepburn talks. Is yes. in that like four? It's a little movie. exaggerated, but it like it gets better as the movie goes on for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it starts off really, really harsh, and then by the time you get to the scene in Connecticut, and they have their fights afterwards, like it's a little better. But she sort of eases her way into the accent, and it's she does I, some she does that the Catherine Hepburn like ha 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 kind of thing ha, at one ha, point. Ha, that's really yeah. she's I I yeah my favorite line from her is when she says, "What is it? I sweat and you're deaf. Aren't we a fine pair of misfits?" Exactly. I just love yeah. that the golf scene is really if yeah. if so if this yeah. podcast was just Brendan and I and we didn't have a guest that was I was thinking that would be my opener yeah. because uh, <laughs> I sweat and Brendan's half deaf so good point. Speaking of which, I I really really love. You know, let's let's talk about the scene in Connecticut, which I think is another yes. really strong scene from this movie. Um, the meet the parents I, scene. Yeah, yeah, the meet the parents scene in Connecticut when Kate takes Howard to meet the family and her ex-husband is there just yes. like in Meet the Parents. Freaking Ludlow slash Owen. If he had been oh, played by Owen Wilson. If you've yeah, been played by yeah, Owen that's Wilson, right. it would have been fantastic. It also but, it reminded me too of Crazy Rich Asians because I think yes. we all we all agreed that uh, what's the guy in that Nick was such an asshole oh, not nice to warn man. his girlfriend about his rich family. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I was exactly. like, Catherine Hepburn, how why would you not tell him your ex husband is here? This is right. just exactly. why. Anyway, but yes, that is a good scene. And they they're so yeah. awful. They are so. I mean, yeah. I've been in those types of like loud dinner party a million conversations going on at a small table at once situations and it's really hard when you're half deaf to keep up with anything that's happening at that dinner table and so like that's like one of those scenes where i'm like yeah howard you should be mad get up walk away oh yeah like i'm i'm they don't they don't really focus on i mean i guess in the senate hearings they focus on his deafness but it doesn't it's not really a plot point that much in this movie you see he's he's he's, he's, sorry nobody who's listening can see me but he does do the thing where he leans in yeah he does yeah yeah and it's it is subtle it even happens in the coconut grove when he goes to talk to are um, you making a western howard yeah Yeah. exactly yeah yeah 
Yeah, where she has to sort of translate for like, yeah, and I, I am not like hard of hearing or anything, but I do, I have like ringing in my ears, and I do, I have a lot of trouble hearing in crowds for sure. Oh, sorry, so, that's yeah, my refrigerator I, like... again. Um... <laughs> anyway, uh, nobody's yes, gonna get that I... joke. Brennan has, a, <laughs> Brennan has a noise behind him, but he doesn't get picked up on the podcast thanks to my editing. Problems. His refrigerator uh, is running, but he's not trying to catch him. Exactly. Right, yes, exactly. Yes. Uh, Sorry. Do you have Do you have King? What is it? Do you have Prince? Uh, Prince whatever in a Prince Albert, uh, in, a Prince can. Albert in a can. Better let the guy, the guy out. So <laughs> yeah, let him out. Classic, classic. Um, prank <laughs> like grade two prank humor. Out. Yeah, like Bart Simpson. Exactly. Uh, Calling up Mo's bar. Yeah. Oh, uh, what anyway, was I going to say? I had something well, else that I was going to mention, and it's gone. Because we talked about all this other stuff. Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. Well, I like okay. when uh, I think I thought it was it was cool when she comes to visit him when he's locked in the screening room yes. and she's talking to him through the door and he says, "I could always hear you, Katie." Yeah. Because I do think that that's a thing, right? Like, because my grandfather was quite hard of hearing; he mm-hmm. could always hear my niece. So right. I think that there are some people who are you're just in tune with, you know. Um, and that I like the way I really yeah, I'm a big fan of the way that relationship is portrayed. Like I re- I love the scene where they go flying. Yeah, it's fantastic. And yeah. he tries to feed her the milk, more milk. Yes. He tries to feed her it's, the milk, and it just like spills all. Yeah, it's great. But it's, it's great. so. But when he when he gives her the milk and then he drinks out of the bottle, it's like so romantic because you and know it's something that you know he can't do. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. Know. That's yeah. great. That's a really again. Yeah. That's like some of the subtlety that's in this movie that doesn't it doesn't beat you over the head with that. But yeah, mm. that is an interesting exactly. thing that like I didn't even really notice that. But you're right. Like that. Yeah. That if we had to break down and talk about all the flying scenes in this movie. You know, between the Hells Angels and the two test flights that go really, really terribly wrong, where he crashes both times, in once into the beat field and once into Beverly Hills, which is um, a terrifying scene. It's terrifying, and yeah. luckily yeah. no one died in. So no, in real life, life in nobody scene. died from that. Nobody died. Nobody I looked died. it up. Um, happened in uh, what what year was it? Um, forty six. I had this in my notes. Yes, on uh, nineteen forty six. Um, he crashes the plane. That's one of the things that leads to him losing his contract with um, right. with uh, the U.S. military because he has to halt production because he's in the hospital recuperating for so long. Um, and the war is over, basically. Yeah. But, you know, they don't need the planes anymore. Um, and luckily, nobody died during that. Um, he was saved by a uh, U.S. Marine who witnessed the crash from a nearby street and ran and pulled him out of the wreckage. Um, and got him to a hospital, but like, yeah, I mean, it's it's terrifying. Um, it's really scary. And I, one of the things I read was that part of the reason he used to sit around naked all the time was that mm-hmm. it was probably too painful for him to wear clothes because of the burn. Right. Because of all the burns and scarring and the yeah, which is yeah. really I did horrible. Wonder, I did wonder if him. I mean, and um, John C. Riley's character says, you know, he's not going to like that about him getting the blood transfusion. Right. But I did wonder if that was going to be part of what kind of drove him to madness was that he had somebody else's blood in him. But it didn't seem like that was um, no. that was really a factor. But I did wonder if that was going to be something that would that would have more of an impact than it did. And I think when you're when you have chronic pain, right. you know, everything seems worse. It, it exacerbates yeah. any kind of issue you're dealing with. So, yeah, it, like that crash, I'm sure, did play a role in, you know, really turning him into the recluse that he became. Mm. Yeah. Um. What about uh? Did you guys have a favorite plane that he? And Brennan, this is kind of what you were just talking about. But yeah. is there is there a favorite of the planes that that you thought just looked looked the coolest? 
Yeah, for me, I mean, it's the XF-11 um, spike lane that he crashes into the middle of the Roy Hills. That's just, like, such a cool-looking plane. And the fact that he, like, you know, knows that the thing is not ready to fly, but he goes for it anyway. And he, That's, like, like he's the got, super he wide has one. That, that's, like, he the has twin, that, Yeah, like and he has twin engines, and he has the obsession about, like, the rivets, like, being countersunk all the way in mm -hmm. to prevent the um to prevent drag like i mean it's and he has to like run his hand over it like a bunch of times to make sure that they're like i i really really like that plane i think the best although it's also really fun to see the technological development he was forced to make to the world war one planes to get the filmmaking that he wanted done in uh for hell's angels like seeing just like the improvised modification that he had to do in order to be able to film that movie the way he did was really cool i think uh talking about the countersunk rivets this is another mm. point where the like cross cutting in the movie is really effective because mm. there's a couple of times where it cuts from katherine hepburn directly to the plane mm. where she's clearly being like paralleled with the plane i think it's right. the the golf scene where he's, you can, at the end of the golf scene, the way he kind of reacts to her, like, okay, this woman is, like, a bit much, kind of, you know, he has that mm -hmm. sort of, yeah, and then it cuts to him where the rivets are not countersunk, and he's saying, no, I want no resistance, you know, and then the first time they're, like, you know, being intimate together, <laughs> she, he says something that she's the tallest woman uh, he's ever seen and she says and I'm all sharp elbows and knees or something right. and then right. when he's running his hand down her back then it cuts it's... to the plane that is smooth mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. so yeah it's I find it interesting that he yeah the way he views women is maybe a bit similar to the way he views the planes and part oh, of the reason yeah. he and Catherine Hepburn couldn't stay together was that she was not willing to smooth, out smooth. yeah yes. exactly exactly <laughs> yep good call does uh you know Howard's like after this movie? I know he dies in like the seventies. I think he dies in seventy five. Um, does he end up having a long term relationship and marrying somebody? And, uh, so he moves to Las Vegas in nineteen sixty six on Thanksgiving mm -hmm. Day and basically lives out the rest of his life as a recluse in the upstairs of a few different casinos throughout the late sixties and seventies until his death. Like people like claimed to have had interactions with him but he was pretty much never seen and never heard but he did marry he married another he, actress though jean peters was, yeah. who i don't know if you've seen pick up on south street that's the thing yeah. that i mainly know her from i feel okay. like she does have another uh i would have to look her up but um yeah they were married for a while i think but then i think when they finally divorced afterwards she admitted that she had not seen him in years that like they right. yeah but um yeah. And then isn't there another like there's like a disputed marriage or something? I don't know. There's all kinds of mysteries about what there, Howard there Hughes was actually doing. There are a lot of weird late 60s, early 70s mysteries with him. And some of them might come up later in connections to movies we might do. But there are a lot of like hoaxes and uh, rumors surrounding like what Howard Hughes' money was going to, what he was doing with his money, um, how much of it was tied in with the mob in the late 60s and early 70s and the mob run casinos um you know there nothing has ever been proven but there's a lot I have a feeling of, that's going to tie into a couple of the movies that might come up quite possibly 
Quite and there's sure. some poss- there's a connection to Watergate too that I'm not yes. I'm not really sure what it was, but um, something you just said made me want to say that. Oh yeah, we were talking about the hoax. Uh, well, Brenda and I mm-hmm. were before about that somebody uh, wrote a fake biography of Howard Hughes and claimed that they'd interviewed Blinded him. Yeah. But then, yeah, but then the um, so then Hughes came out and said, like, no, I never talked to this guy. But then I read that some people say, well, like, how do we know that was really Howard Hughes? Because nobody had seen him in such a long. So it's really like he really is. know that Howard Hughes wasn't being paranoid as we see in this movie and that he really did talk to that guy. Yeah. Who knows? You know, we don't know. Never know. Mm -hmm. Such a mystery. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Megan, you were just talking about cross cutting. There was a really great cross cut in this that I noticed. Um, and that's when uh, when Howard says to mortgage Toolco um, mm-hmm. for one of the one of the projects, and immediately a cross cuts to a shot of the pilot drinking. Um, I think on one, on the screen, and it's like it just has like a total like, well, here goes nothing. Like, yeah, just that's, drinking that's while he's the, flying on a plane. That's so. Yeah, I I found this movie like I it was hard to watch it without thinking about what a douchebag Elon Musk is you know what I mean like it yeah and and I felt and I was like this dude just impulse bought an airline and it's like Mm -hmm. he's so not sympathetic from so many perspectives but like he he also is very sympathetic and it yeah it's really it's it's an interesting character to try to because he's I, I, I'm sure this will probably come up in connections too, but I always think of the scene in, uh, I forget which Iron Man is, it, maybe it's Iron Man 2, I guess it must be, where Tony Stark actually like creates a new element in his basement. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, that's really cool. Like, I wish I could do something like that. I also wish that I was a billionaire so yeah. that I had time to like get right. that deep into something and could, you know, build machinery in my basement. So like, the mo- it's about, you know, like wealth and the benefits that come with that and how you can be like really brilliant but also be a total asshole i'm sure that uh and i feel like his um you know his perfectionism is like something i'm sure that scorsese probably relates to like it's Mm -hmm. about ambition and and wanting to have everything be just so which i think is probably you know a really good filmmaker will want that too is doing like a million things at a time. Like there's yeah. multiple times where he's working on like three different things and he's yeah, like, exactly. And so it's not like he's just, you know, like this guy who just has all this money and doesn't do anything. Like he is yeah. working hard to spend this. I also kept thinking about Elon Musk and like Elon Musk is like one of the people who triggers me like more than anybody yeah, right now. <laughs> yes. And so like, it, it really, I think that also took away from me, like enjoy this. I'm like, Oh, it's like a puff. You know, this movie's like a puff piece about like the 1930s, Elon Musk, essentially. Um, and I do think, like, making biopics, like, even if you're showing people's flaws, it's almost like the thing they say about war movies, that, like, it's impossible to make an anti-war movie right. because you're always going to make war look exciting in a movie about war. And so, yeah, although I did just watch Platoon, and that I is pretty agree. close to an anti-war movie. Oh, yeah. It's... Um, and so that's, that's like, been my hesitation with, like, when J. Edgar has come up because I'm, like, the stuff that we know about J. Edgar Hoover, like, well, I just yeah. am curious what the, the biopic element of, like, a I... J. Edgar movie would be like. Well, you guys were talking about that last week. I, 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 I thought about suggesting J. Edgar last week, but like, it's also just not a very good movie. Right. That's so, what I yeah. yeah. You know, I love Leo and uh, he's miscast in that role. <laughs> but, sure. but I do think, and like, that's my thing with Clint Eastwood is like, I always feel like I don't quite get the point he's trying to make with, I don't know. It Maybe it's because of his political beliefs that don't really align with mine, but I always feel like maybe I kind of agree with him, but I'm never sure. <laughs> 
So, mm-hmm. but yeah, J. Edgar is like, um, it's not like a hagiography or anything, but mm-hmm. um, anyway, I still, I wouldn't say it's a great one to do for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's, it keeps coming up because we keep doing Leo movies. We keep doing biopics. Um, right. You know, yeah. Jagger Hoover's FBI's popped up everywhere. in a lot of movies. Yeah. Um, I do think last week Brendan said there was going to be some element of like uh, um, McCarthyism in this, and there was not any McCarthyism that I noticed. Well, this, it's hard but... to accuse a billionaire of being a communist, I think. Oh, right. True. I mean, they, they talk about they talk about you know his connection to certain commun- people with the Communist Party. The 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 um the reporter, the, the journalist, the reporter yeah. played by Willem Dafoe. The way that he gets him to hand over. The pictures of Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy is saying, "What if I turn you over to, you know, the McCarthy, the McCarthy mm-hmm. committee, the House on on American Activities, and that's mm-hmm. what like convinces him to take the bribe." So I mean that that was a little bit of McCarthyism I was remembering, but um, you know, I couldn't remember if there was any more tied in or not. That was that was the one I was remembering. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, Willem Dafoe, I thought was like. I thought he was going to be in this more. He was barely in this movie. It was, like a, it was like a cameo. Too. It's a good cameo. Like yeah. between yeah. him and Jude Law, it's mm-hmm. nice to see like good actors in these like little one or two scene cameo roles. Yeah. We haven't even mentioned Adam Scott, who was oh, yeah, not, not very yes. well known at this point. As Johnny Mayer. Yeah. yeah. So I always so Adam Scott was in like I don't know eight episodes of Party of Five, yes. which was a show that I oh, really was liked. he really I did not yeah. remember him. I, yeah, and I well, I for whatever reason I always remembered him from that, and then he was in a few episodes of Six Feet Under as well, mm-hmm. and so I always kind of like, oh, that guy, I like that guy. Whenever he'd pop up in something, so I remember, I always remember seeing him in the Aviator, being like, oh, that guy, and then you know, now of course he's Adam Scott. Um, uh, no. Yeah, jobs about work yeah, or um, uh, shows about work in Severance. Yeah, and I feel I, like he and I would be friends because he loves Survivor and you too. <laughs> so. Maybe. Like possibly. I, I, I was remarking. Uh, I was yeah. remarking last night with his mustache how much he looked like um, Casey Affleck, actually from the Ocean's. Little movie. bit. Like I was like, he actually kind of looks like Casey Affleck. <laughs> he's way better than Casey Affleck. Oh yeah, he's definitely better. Um, I like Casey Affleck in in stuff, but yes, mm-hmm. uh, as a person, he's better than Casey Affleck. Definitely. I think Adam Scott is actually like a nice guy. Seems mm-hmm. to me. Um. I do find with this movie and with Chaplin, it is very hard for me to do research on both the actors in the movie and the actors yeah. that they're playing. It like when I as I'm trying to find out like connections and suggestions for next week, it's requiring me to do a lot of research to be like, who is this person? Uh, case in point, when Catherine Hepburn says to Howard Hughes, "I saw your Scarface movie." Yes. At first, I was like, "Oh, that did that like she like that's like a, a slight to him because she met Howard Hawks." Then I then I looked at the letterbox and I realized Howard Hughes produced Scarface. Yeah. Um, so um, that kind of stuff. This is a movie that benefits from being able to just like Google different things that pop up. Same thing with Earl Flynn, where I thought, oh, he was in Chapel last week, and and no, that was Douglas Fairbanks. So. Um, all right. Uh, anything else? Do you guys want to get to? Uh, oh, we can go through some Scorsese rankings, and and I've got some feedback from us. Yeah. Why not? All well, right. I I did want to mention because mm-hmm. you know I'm my as as the Leo fangirl, I read, I was reading Robert, Robert, Roger Ebert's, wow, Robert Ebert, Roger Ebert's review of this movie. And he talked about how playing a mentally ill person is a notorious invitation to overact. Mm. 
Mm -hmm. but that Leo doesn't do that in this role. And I thought that was a really good point. I I think it's a really good performance that he plays it pretty understated mostly. Although, I mean, obviously he like goes big sometimes. It needs to be overstated, yeah. Yeah. It's all intentional. Yeah, Yeah. I was thinking a little bit about um, A Beautiful Mind and other movies that came out right around this time that are about people struggling with mental illness. And like, it's... I don't know if this is like that much better than those movies, to be honest. Um, I, I mean, like it more. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen a beautiful mind, also, and which yeah, would be a really good one to do next week. Yeah, I thought so. about that too. I, uh, but I, I don't know. I really like the sort of old Hollywood glamour side of this. Like, there's a, I, yes. I have, I have the DVD, and there's bonus features about the uh, costumes and about the mm-hmm. hair and makeup. Mm-hmm. And they specifically uh, talk about recreating the sort of 1940s glamour. Yep. makeup and hair and did you know that max factor was a person you know oh, it's a, it's nope. a company but he was right. a hollywood makeup artist uh, yeah I was yeah for well, like maximum factor it's not his real name his he was a polish american and it's like factorowitz or something but he um yeah he was apparently the one who suggested that gene harlow bleach her hair oh yeah so i learned about that from the the dvd i always like watching those bonus features <laughs> um yes uh so yeah, I really I don't know. I like that aspect of this movie a lot. But I think yeah, that I makes really it more I agree. Fun. I like the the costumes in this quite a bit. It did win best costume design, but of yep. course like a Andy movie like, piece like this is gonna do that. Um and, and it also won it was not nominated for best score, but I thought the score yeah. was pretty good. The score is interesting. So there's a bonus feature about the score as well with Howard Shore. Um and he talks about how they used um fugue structures to like represent the way Howard Hughes' mind works mm-hmm. and um, because the fugue is like a really intricate piece where all the parts kind of connect to each other and I thought that was very interesting too. And they actually use a Bach fugue uh, in the uh, the XF-18 test flight scene. Mm. So yes, the music is good in this. Um, and did you notice Rufus Wainwright? Oh, that uh, was going to be my one more thing. Oh, I'm sorry. Stairway to Paris. Uh, Stairway to Paradise, yeah. But his that father was, and sister are also in the movie, yes. too. Yeah. That, was, yeah. that was my one more thing. Was the way right. um, I'm sorry. That does remind me. So <laughs> the Coconut Grove, that is not the name of the same uh, club that's in Goodfellas, right? What no, is the name not. of the club in it's Goodfellas? It's the Copa, isn't it? The Copa is oh, in the New Copa, York. Okay. The Copa in New York Copa and the Coconut Cabana. Grove in Los yeah. Angeles are definitely not the same. And it's not right. the Copa okay. Cabana that's in Havana. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and also when I saw Rufus Wainwright in the cast list on Letterboxd, at first I was thinking of Rufus yeah. Sewell, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. who's the guy who's in um, Man in the High Castle. Oh, I right. always think of him in that. So. Oh, Man, Man in the Hard Castle. Um, <laughs> all right, let's see. Yeah, nobody else would get that joke, Brendan, except me. Um, let's see. Do I have anything else in my notes that I want to make sure we hit before we get to le- uh, listener feedback? Uh I think we'll get to more when we get to connections and start going through. Yeah, I do just love all of the all of the like old school, like old not old school, but like old old fashioned Hollywood. Yeah, the Hollywoodisms. Yeah, it's one of the things I really love. It's It's such a fun way to start this movie that we start with them filming the Hell's Angels. Mm. Um, It's just like it's a great way to get into this movie, and I I really liked it a lot. With you know, in comparison with a Chaplin last week, um, just kind of these these are good pairings in terms of biopics about this time period and, and Hollywood and you know this even has the the silent film to talkies uh, revolution. 
We have the whole, like, he has 24 cameras and he just just <laughs> needs two more because 24 is not enough right. to yeah. film, like, all of the aerial combat that he needs to film. And it's like, you know, the, you, you think about how much technology has changed in 100 years from filming yeah. that movie, a movie like that in 1922 with 26 cameras to however the hell they filmed one movie that might come up in my connections later, Top Gun Maverick, 100 years later. Might come up in my connections camera. later. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, maybe, I'm, maybe I just spoil a connection, but it's, we'll All find right. out. Well, well let's uh before we get to listener feedback, why don't we do so we were we have a group chat, we were talking in their group chat, and you guys and I think Brendan was like, We should bring our rankings for Scorsese movies. And I said, yeah. Well, I'm not gonna be able to do that because I have a lot that I either need to watch for the first time or rewatch because I haven't seen them in forever, so it's hard for me to rank them. But I thought you guys were gonna do it, so I was like, All right, I'm gonna have a surrogate. <laughs> and uh we are talking about the aviator, so I reached out to the aviator and I uh-huh. asked him for his Scorsese rankings, which I believe he did on an episode of Thirty Two Fans like two years ago, right before yeah. the Irish came out. Oh, or right after. Um, so, yes, our old co-host, Av, I did reach out to him. Uh, I won't go through all of them. I'll just kind of do the highlights. Uh, so his number 25 is New York, New York. That's his uh, lowest. I really, his. I really like New York, New York. I know that I'm like the only person. Mm-hmm. But I love Liza Minnelli, so whatever. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen it, so I can't judge. No, nope, I can't. It's totally uh, underrated. And La La Land completely ripped it off. Oh, interesting. Oh, wow. huh? Yeah, Maybe that totally. Could a, totally. Yeah, when cool. I saw it, I was like, what? the hell <laughs> interesting uh yes. so mad uh av hates it you love it uh i'm assuming olin has not seen it or at least he hasn't ra- rated it but i'm assuming olin loves it as well um let's see so i'll just uh, i mean i, I don't want to like slide any so then who's who's knocking at my door 24 boxcar birth at 23 alice doesn't live here 22 bring it up to 21 no. nope. the age of innocence 20 <laughs> kundun 19 then we get to uh, movie ladder uh, movie Shutter Island at eighteen. See, and that's a movie I'd like to reevaluate because I was looking up our review of Shutter Island from two years ago, and I was like, "Wait, I only gave Shutter Island a three point five. I feel like I think about that movie all the time." Well, and when I listened and, to that podcast, you said that you didn't think you'd ever watch it again, and I was like, "No, you should watch it again." Because yeah, it and actually, now here I am, two yeah. years later, saying I really want to revisit Shutter Island, and I, I yeah. I think that Scorsese movies almost always improve on repeat mm-hmm. viewings. And that mm-hmm. one, I think, is really interesting when you know what happens. Yeah. Well, was that your first time watching it when we watched it, Brendan? Yes. Because you had seen it before, right? It was my first time seeing it. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, you should rewatch it. And I gave it a 3.5. And now, like, thinking back on it, like, I, I don't know how and why I gave it a 3.5. Because I think about that movie more fondly now mm-hmm. than a 3.5. Like, I just yeah. I also... You I also gave it a three point five. Yeah. And uh yeah, you should give it another watch. Why not? Now I've gave it a three, so there we go. Yeah. Uh, the podcast overall gave it a three point five. Yeah. Um then he's got a seventeen, the color of money. Then at sixteen mm, yeah. he has Last Temptation, which uh, we talked about extensively already on this podcast. Uh number fifteen, he has Cape Fear. Yeah. Fourteen. Oh, I think a- I'd put that higher. You put that higher. All right. I think yeah, I love. He has so many movies. That's the thing. yeah. It's the, like, that's the problem. They're all yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. Well, not all. Almost all yeah. of them are like Boxcar um, It's not really that good, but yeah, that one's number, that one's twenty three <laughs> on his list. Uh, so number fourteen, we have Mean Streets, which we've yeah. done on this podcast. Thirteen, Gangs in New York, um, I, which I think uh, I would have Gangs in New York in my top five. I think uh, I would. But too. I, I love Gangs of New York. That's another one I would like to revisit. Hmm. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, a, it's just like such a that that is one that has an epic runtime. It was yeah. multiple yeah. VHSs, might have even been multiple DVDs. I do, um, I think I I think it is two DVDs. Yeah. Yeah, which is like a very rare thing. Um, does not feel the length at all. That movie oh. flies by. That movie this one, which, and like what I, I I appreciate a movie that has like good production values, like it's beautiful, mm-hmm. you know, design and the costumes and all that. And G- Gangs of New York is like ridiculously. They must have put so much work into it. Yeah. It's, yeah, I love that movie. Um, that one is 168 minutes, and The Aviator, I think, is 100. Okay, so two minutes shorter than The Aviator. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, also, if we did that movie next week, John C. Riley would join the six timers. That's right. Club, which I can't imagine how many six timers we've got on this podcast. And it'd be five times for Leo. So there you go. Oh, true. Yeah. Uh, and five times for Scorsese. Uh, speaking of Leo Scorsese, number 12 on his list is The Aviator. Um, so that, like, right in the middle. Out of 25 yeah. movies, this one's number 12. Number 11 is Casino, which is one I've never seen before. Mm. One of my big Scorsese mm. blind spots. Uh, number 10, another Scorsese blind spot for me, but uh, I don't feel like I'm missing much. That's Hugo. So oh, no. Hugo is I, I like 10. Hugo. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I've never seen it. So, uh, number nine, another epic, Leo, biopic. This was Jordan Belfort. This is The mm. Wolf of Wall oh. Street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Number nine. What is that? Oh, are you? That's too a high bad too movie low? to watch with your parents. Uh, yeah, Number eight is a movie that we did on this podcast. And Brenna, you said you wanted to rewatch Shutter Island. I immediately added this movie back to my watch list after we did the podcast because after talking about it, I like just was like, I want to watch this movie again. Uh, this is the All in One Night movie After Hours from 1985. Yeah. I'd have that eight. a lot lower, but uh, to be fair, I've only seen it once. So yeah, it was one I. I, I I wanted to rewatch it as soon as we did this podcast, and I have not actually gone back to it um, yet, but I will at some point. Uh, number seven, another one with Leo. That is The Departed. That's so, that would be in my. That's one that I could put on any day and be like, yes, I love. I love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, number six is The Irishman. I would have this a lot lower. Oh no, yeah, I, I think I would. Do. It's. I think it's brilliant. I need really? to see okay. it again. I mean, I've oh, yeah. seen it once, so it's the problem. Yeah. I mean, I liked it, but I just think, like, I liked it a lot when I first saw it, and it, as I've gotten further away from it, I've just kind of been like... Because I watched it, I watched it once, and then I watched it again, like, a couple of weeks later, and was like, oh my god, this is so good. I think in most years, uh, I think, you know, it would have been a, well, should have won. You know what I mean? uh, should it have won Best Picture? In most uh, years, it would have... Such a strong yes. I mean, like, I think that, well, for me, like, those Parasite, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and The Irishman yeah. are clearly the top tier of those, oh, that of crop of nominees, in my opinion, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah. All right, anyway. so we're on to Ob's top five. Again, if you have a problem with okay. this list, this is not any of our lists. This is Ob's. I'm going to so email Ob immediately. Yeah, you can tweet at him, at Asenensky. You can, uh... <laughs> You can search, if you just search, you know, Scorsese 32 fans, it'll probably pop up and you can listen to him talk to Chester about um, it. You can email uh, prettygoodcurbpod at gmail.com if you have issues also. Just send it to their curb email address. Um, and uh, so he has number five, he has Silence, which blind yeah. spot for me. I never just watched it. I really um, liked Silence, but I feel yeah. like number five is way too high for that movie. I think, well, I but think- I like what it's trying to do. It's interesting. I, that's another one that I've only seen once, and I will definitely watch it again. And I think there is so much going on in it that probably, yeah. but but Av is like a man of faith, right? So yeah, I think it, that I can yes, see why that. Yeah, it's a really really good exploration, much like Last Temptation of Christ was of the study of faith. And yeah, it's exactly. another 
it's the production values are like yeah absolutely. insane <laughs> and and a totally unexpected Andrew Garfield performance much like yeah. Other Matter of Heaven um I you saying that you love Andrew Garfield Brendan no like unexpected like unexpected I know I'm surprised it's unexpected yeah. you love Andrew Garfield well I didn't know going in that it was even an Andrew Garfield movie I thought it was Adam I thought Adam Driver was yeah. the main character in that movie I totally forgot in. Adam Driver was even in that I was yeah. like who's the other guy and then oh. I thought Adam Driver was the main character going in so I had no idea like that Andrew Garfield was the main character in this movie because yeah. I didn't even look at the cast list it was like oh yeah Adam Driver is the main guy right and then okay. <laughs> uh, I think it's got Liam Neeson on the cover yeah. too yeah yeah so and it's All not right, Liam Neeson. Uh, <laughs> we're to the we're to the Mount Rushmore of Martin Scorsese movies. Number four, okay. Rage, Raging Ball. Uh, sure. Fair. <laughs> that for a long time in my life that would have been number one. I think on this list. I think uh, the thing about Raging Ball, like it's totally brilliant, um, but it's not one that I'm like, yes, I want to watch that today. Like I yeah. find it really hard to watch. Yeah, it is incredibly hard to watch. Yeah. All right, number three, King of Comedy. I didn't like that one. That is a very odd pick. That, that makes sense to me that he has that that high. I, I think it's really good, yeah. um, but I don't know that I would have it in my top five. I mean, I'll That's watch one it. I saw oh. so long ago, I can't even remember. Yeah. I need to watch it again. But I mean, I don't know. I just, I, I think I had very high expectations because I'd heard everyone say, oh, it's his most underrated movie. And, and I was like, eh. All right, we have two remaining. Is yes. one of these the two your and taxi driver, two? right? Yeah, yeah it's Is one, one of these taxi. your number one, uh, either of you? He's going to have Goodfellas number one, because if he doesn't, then, you know, I think never, never allowed yeah. back on the podcast. You know. <laughs> I mean, Goodfellas is sort of undeniable. I right. don't think it would be my number one. Like, when I'm thinking about ranking them, I guess I'm thinking about it in terms of that four star. Like, would I, how, how, it, how much do I want to watch this again? How much mm-hmm. do I enjoy watching this? Mm-hmm. And Goodfellas would definitely be in the top five. Mm-hmm. Taxi Driver is not fun to watch. Like, I love Taxi Driver, though. I think it's really, I think it's a great, great, great movie. And I I would, I think, I, I, maybe this makes me a weirdo, but I would say it's more fun than Raging Bull. <laughs> like, that's, that's a little weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like, I don't know. I really like the Robert De Niro performance in that. Like, I find, I don't know. Travis is an interesting character. And yeah, but no, I think, I don't know. I would put The Departed is one of the most like rewatchable to me. <laughs> and to um, The Ringer because they've done two podcasts on it. Oh, so. well, it's a pretty great movie. And then, I mean, Gangs of New York would probably be and this, you know, I am biased towards the Leo movies, I think. But um, but I love Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. And My brother just watched that this weekend and he said it's great. It's great. Yeah. And a great yeah. Chris Christopherson performance. Yeah. Uh, well, Brennan is wrong because Oz number one was Taxi Driver. His number oh, two is Goodfellas. Uh, yeah, I do think like with Taxi Driver, I think there's a lot to dissect out of that. Yeah, yeah. like there was with The Graduate. Um, yeah. Versus like Goodfellas is like a very good movie. I don't know if there's as much. Yeah. Like, I think it's a matter of I think there best is. versus rewatch. I think it's a matter of best versus most rewatchable. Yeah, because like, Goodfellas cause is so like yeah, it's it is it is fun to watch. Yeah, I need to rewatch Goodfellas. That's been one on. I almost did last week because of Ray Liotta uh, mm. passing away. Yeah. Um, and Taxi Driver I rewatched, I think, right before um, Joker came out. And, like, I, I liked it. I liked it better. The, again, kind of like uh, The Aviator, where I really liked Taxi Driver a lot the first time I watched it because it was so unpredictable. And then on the rewatch, I was sort of just like, all right, let's get to the this thing that's going to happen and this thing that's going to happen. So. Um, all right. 
Well, well, that is that is Av's top twenty-five. Um, again, yeah. we did spent a lot of time breaking down his his top ranking of Scorsese movies, but you know it's interesting. That was updated two years ago. We'll see if that changes when Killers of the Flower Moon comes out yes. later this year. Oh yeah, I'm so excited about. It. Okay, now can we talk about our Leo rankings? Absolutely. Oh man, uh, that's, that's a tough a one. Yes. All right, why don't we just do top? Can I just tell you, yes, movies? the top yes. five that I would most want to watch over and over and have yeah. watched over and over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I would probably put Romeo and Juliet number one there, honestly, because okay. I like mm-hmm. and it because it's only two hours long. This is something that factors in. Right. Because like right, right, as much yeah. as I love Titanic, I wouldn't watch it every day because yeah. it is a big uh, time commitment. So but yeah, I would have Romeo and Juliet. I would have The Departed, obviously, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Let's see. Oh, I should have opened up his filmography. Yeah, I have it in front of me. So my number one is also his number one movie on uh, Letterboxd, but it's one of my favorite movies ever. That's Inception. I just think like, oh, yes. You know what? Such a great movie. And that's and I am not as big of a Christopher Nolan fan as a lot of people seem to be, but I love Inception. And every time I watch it, I feel like I get more out of it. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I mean, that's that's a good one. By doing this, we're stepping all over potential connections for the for the back part of this podcast. But True. Um, that's OK. I yeah, I mean, uh, there are a lot of undeniable Leo films, I think. Um, Inception, I didn't love as much on first viewing as um, Same. I think Zach thought I would or hoped I would, but I would love to revisit it. And the, I saw in the theater, and the first, I was like, my mind um, was just like completely yeah. blown away when I first I saw it. I saw it in the theater, too, because I always try and go see Leo movies in the yeah. theater, except for yeah. The Revenant. Um, I saw the Revenant. I, went to I didn't see this. I don't like what's his face, the director. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, that's the guy. I don't like his movies very much. And it's I was like a three-hour YouTube movie. Like, Fair enough. So that's basically all. Sorry, Leo. Yeah. But um, yes, I saw Inception in the theater, and I thought that it was just okay. And now I think I've rated it like four and a half stars on. And I'm sure next time I watch it, it'll probably go up to five. But. Um, Yes, I love I love dream theory. I love like thinking about like I don't really care about other people's dreams, but I love thinking about my own dreams and like oh why did I like have a dream about like this thing and like mm-hmm. especially like when you're like at least for me like I'll be like falling asleep listening to a podcast and then like if the podcast keeps playing like that will like factor into my dream or something like that. And I love like or like I remember being a kid and like uh, my alarm clock would go off and the music that was playing in my alarm clock would be part of my dream and like I just love like the weirdness of that. Um, that happened to me like last week. Oh man, what was it? There was something really weird that happened to me that yeah, oh, I can't remember. I remember once I was I was sleeping on a train and in my I was dreaming about my mom and mm-hmm. In my dream, like the walls started to shake, and then I gradually woke up and was like, "No, it's the movement of the train." Yeah, that yeah. kind of th- that is very Inception-y, actually. Now that I think yeah, about it, yeah. definitely, yeah. And I think like the way it's interesting, the way you talk about Inception is the way I feel about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. When yeah, I first I mean, saw that I movie, that. I was completely let down by that, and I was like, "This." Mm-hmm. And then the more I like learned about what was in that movie and like the plot of that movie, and then obviously we did the podcast on it, and it yeah. raised a lot in my podcast. I'm not reading the book, and I'm going to watch it again, and I think like I'm just going to keep appreciating so many elements of that movie that I didn't appreciate when mm-hmm. I, and it was ironic because I saw it at the Cinerama Dome in LA, which is one of the theaters yeah. featured in that movie. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really like it when I saw it. So that's a great one. Yeah. My, my, can I tell you my opinion is that Leo should have four Oscars by now. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they should be for the aviator. He should have mm-hmm. won for this. I agree. Mm-hmm. I think Jamie Foxx is a terrific actor, but I think that that his performance in Ray is more about like imitating Ray Charles. I agree. Uh, he should have won for The Departed, which mm-hmm. 
he wasn't nominated for, but that's because Blood Diamond came out the same year. But And also, like, Forrest Whitaker is also a great actor, but I'm sorry, he's not the main character in The Last King of Scotland. He should have been in the supporting category. It's a, some people really hate that movie. I don't feel that strongly about it. And I think he it's a great performance by him. James McAvoy is the main character in that movie, and he's really good. Uh, but anyway, then he should have won for The Wolf of Wall Street, obviously. Mm-hmm. We all, I think everybody agrees with that. And he should have won for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I agree. And uh, I would also, also throw Revolutionary Road in there as well. Yeah, well, um, I was going to say he should have been nominated for Revolutionary Road. He was he was robbed. Yeah. Um, that's like a much more understated performance than a lot of his other ones. But, it's a um, great performance. Now, and I, I wanted to mention something that Olin said. Mm-hmm. Because Olin just watched The Country Girl, which is the movie that Grace Kelly won Best Actress for. And Olin and I have discussed this, that we both feel it's a travesty that Judy Garland did not win for A Star is Born. But mm. one thing Olin said is that he feels like Grace Kelly, if she was going to win an Oscar, should have won for playing a glamorous Grace Kelly type character. Mm. And that is something that I think about Leo that I think I read. There's like I think it's on Vulture. There's a ranking of all his performances Vulture. or something. Yeah. And it says that, like, you know, he won for The Revenant, but The Revenant tells you nothing about who who he is as an actor. Like it's yeah, so, exactly. cause he's got like his, the Wolf of Wall Street is really like, cause he's very, he's charming and charismatic and you know, but he's like using that in a really interesting way in the Wolf of Wall Street. And that's like, those are the qualities that make him a movie star. Whereas like the Revenant is nothing to do with like why people like him, you know? Right. And I feel like um, Revolutionary Road is another one where it's that it's like Mad. It's a lot, It's so much like Mad Men. But it's that yeah. that appearance of this like guy who's like got it all together and is like good looking and you know what. But he's actually a total mess. And I think yeah, Revolutionary Road is a great. Uh, and Kate Winslet should have won for like she won very depressing. Very depressing movie. Though. Yes, very. And especially to watch right now. Um, mm-hmm. Well, on yeah. A couple on a couple fronts. Uh, but also character portraying a character with mental not him, but there is a character with mental illness in that movie. That's well. right, Michael Shannon. But and, and Kate Winslet because the reader came out the same year as Revolutionary Road, yes. and she won for the reader, but she should have won for Revolutionary Road. I remember that yep. being the debate at the time with those two movies, like which. Yeah, and the reader is like, you know. I never saw that. It's no revolutionary road. Let's say that much. It's not revolutionary. Um, and I do think we touched on Romeo and Juliet, but I just think like for me, I would probably put Romeo and Juliet in my top five because it's just such a creative yeah. telling of that story. Yeah. Uh, sure. And I remember like I saw that when I was in, I don't know, what year did that come out? 97? So I was in middle school. 96. Uh, 96. Yeah. So I was in middle 97. school when I saw that. And that was like my first really for I didn't know anything about any Shakespeare. And it, it is like such a more approachable version of Shakespeare than anything else I had like interacted with when I was in my youth. So, uh, yeah. And it was like our introduction. It's like the real like breakout performance for for Leo. Yeah. Um, I love that movie. If you didn't go grow up with your sister making you watch What's Eating Gilbert Grape <laughs> over and over and over and over uh, again. Like and I, I will just say, we are not doing What's Eating Gilbert Grape. We are not Grape. doing What's Eating <laughs> Gilbert Grape. No, yeah. but but I will uh, say speaking that of I things up, that are not timely right now, we are yeah, not doing that movie. I grew up watching that movie a lot. And yeah, it's... Well, and I, you know, I, teen teen Leo fangirl, um, I have to say, you know, Leo in Romeo and Juliet, pretty dreamy. Yep. There you go. As is Claire Danes. Uh, I'll just give the counterbalance to that. But, uh, <laughs> sure. Uh, <laughs> all right. Anything else on Leo or Scorsese, or should we finally get to listener feedback? Yeah, we can get to listener feedback. Yeah, let's get to listener should feedback. Should we rank our favorite John C. Riley movies or Alec Baldwin movies? <laughs> uh, well, obviously. Kate Beckinsale, Kate Beckinsale Kate, movies, Kate, click. No, I don't have any favorite Kate Beckinsale movies. Yeah. I'm not a fan. Yeah, Kate Blanchett? We didn't Blanchett? even talk about her. 
Yeah. Okay, my chat. So it's this. It's Carol. Carol. It's um the blah, Nightmare Alley from last year. Which is, pick pick your Lord of the Rings out. slash Hobbit. Uh, uh. Lord of the first Lord of the Rings, sure. But yeah, yeah. she's Elizabeth. not the best part of any of those movies. Thor oh. Ragnarok. Um, oh yeah. Oh, she's I always forget. Can you she's see? Can you see yeah. my Hella Funko Pop behind me? Fantastic. Um, I'm pointing it. Yeah. I, if I squint. <laughs> um, yes. New There's Thor what's the stuff. other? Uh, isn't she in two Todd Haynes movies? Why am I blanking on this? Uh, she is in Carol and. Um, she had Baby Driver. Me... She's not right. Uh, I don't know. Oh, was was I'm not there. Todd Haynes. Todd Haynes is the. Um, he did. My fave. He did Carol. Line. She's great yeah, in I'm not there. She's yeah. really great in I'm not there. Oh, that's the other one. That's the other yeah, topic. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. Um, cool. Well, we'll get other things in, in listener feedback. Uh, Brennan, Brennan called. This is going to be a long episode. He was right. Um, <laughs> all right. I'm sorry. I that's feel okay. like make uh, it as long as talk move. a lot. Let's yes, we, no, that's, no, was, it's always was, you know it's always good to get uh, the feedback when we get a lot of when we get a listener yeah. in. Or, I was uh, thinking uh, today. I was like, in. imagine if they had to make the podcast the same length as the movie they were covering. Yeah. I always think like it's interesting to. To see when a podcast is like, I, I always aim for our podcast to be shorter overall than the movie that we're covering. Um, I think it's like it's like a good because like you know, I mean, there are people who are releasing six-hour podcasts right now this week. Uh, not necessarily. But also, nobody really <laughs> wants us to spend twenty minutes talking about how the sausage is made. So let's get that to feedback. Nobody wants us to spend twenty minutes talking about somebody who's not on this podcast, uh, Martin Scorsese. <laughs> I, <laughs> I said that I could do twenty minutes on how handsome Leo is in this movie, but I Point. I didn't. Yeah. I could I could rank, still rank the <laughs> rank the Leo handsome features. All right. Speaking oh. of handsome then. <laughs> blue uh, eyes. Just the cheekbones. Back. Cheekbones number one. No, blue eyes yeah. are number one. <laughs> Speaking of, I, I don't want that I don't want that compliment to go to, to get lost. Speaking of handsome men, Jeff's oh. feedback. Jeff, somebody who has had lots of stinkers uh lately movies. Fingers crossed that Jeff liked it. Come on, Jeff. All right. Overall a good biopic. DiCaprio is great in the role as it is a, as is the supporting cast. Only real complaint, it's it's a bit longer than it needed to be. Uh, mm-hmm. The making of Hell's Angels could have been shortened as okay. him being locked in it, as could have him being locked in his studio. Aside from the length, it was really well cast and well done. I really liked Kate Blanchett's Hepburn and most of the cast were great. He gives it four stars. Yay! J-E-F-F. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. He even agrees with me with the length Thing, but uh, I would have kept all the Hells Angels stuff because that was like. The, um, I will say that I intentionally kept Jeff's typo of Hells Angles in here. <laughs> Hells Angles. <laughs> Hells Angles in, yeah. in the document just to see if you would read it as Hells Angles. Uh, no. But Hells, you were Hells Angels. Now you got me. Hells right. Angles are the. Is that Catherine Hepburn's cheekbones? Yes. yes. Exactly. There you go. Uh, <laughs> it's her golf. Angles. It's her I golf know. swing. Yeah. <laughs> all right. What do we got next? All right. Kyle says I'm Kyle's not the biggest. I'm sorry. I said Kyle's, Kyle's back. back. Yay. Yeah. Welcome back, Kyle. Uh, Kyle says, I am not the biggest biopic fan, and for me, Scorsese's style is just okay. <gasps> so this movie is pretty middle of the road, middle of the sky, question mark. I love the cast, but I felt like I could see the acting. I didn't get lost in it, more like I was watching impersonations. Some of the vis- visuals really worked for me, and some stuck out like a sore thumb. I did think there were some good moments where we could feel the OCD anxiety, and I enjoyed the way the disorder escalated from small hints to outright meltdown. I think it was a smart movie 
about an interesting subject, and I appreciate that it took creative swings, even if they didn't all work out for me. Three stars. All right. Uh, well, so yeah. middle of the road, not a total pan. Yeah. It's just like um. So I will say when he's talking about the acting, I think yeah, like. John C. Riley usually is pretty good, especially mm-hmm. in winning time. He is great as Jerry yeah, Boss. Really, really good. And I think he's one of the ones who stuck out to me that I was just sort of like, he didn't really bring anything. Yeah, I don't know. I just I thought he's he was one, one of the weaker. Yeah. yeah, he was one of the weaker points of this movie, and he was a little still like John C. Riley mm-hmm. um, compared to like really becoming the character that he does in, in Winning Time. Like that's like I think that's the best performance I've ever seen him in is is that character. So. He's really great in Chicago. Know. But anyway, let's keep going. We're not doing our John C. Riley rankings. We're not doing John C. That'll come, <laughs> I could. Uh, no, that'll no. come next week when he hits the sixth time. Exactly. Um, all right. Got from Jim. We've got The Aviator was a little better than I remembered it being. Uh, its strongest connection to Chaplin maybe as an overrated film about making movies. Oh, should that be our title oh, connection? No. no. <laughs> uh, yeah. The Aviator awesome. maybe Oscar bait. Uh, it took that job seriously. The biggest... Uh, I think he might mean the biggest issue with the aviator or the the biggest, uh, I don't know. The, he says the biggest with the aviator is Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, I don't know. The biggest uh, plus, the biggest positive with the aviator is Leonardo DiCaprio. I hope DiCaprio. so. Yeah. Uh, he, he is the personification of the Peter O'Toole line. I'm not an actor. I'm a movie star. There you uh, go. We so were many, talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. In, in so many other ways, this was a good movie, but definitely in the bottom half of Scorsese's work. Three and a half out of five. Ooh. Uh, Jim's hero of the movie, Kate Blanchett. Now there's an actor, is what he says. There you go. So he's um, dissing Leo? I don't like that. I do think there's, you know, he, he said that and there's a line in this movie. You are a movie star and nothing more. Yeah. He said in this movie. Um, and that it was said to, uh, Leo said that to, yeah. Yeah. I don't remember who he said to it Catherine to. Hepburn. Yeah, but it felt very, very meta for Leonardo DiCaprio to be yeah. saying that. Yeah, it, it was weird. Yeah. So uh, three and a half from Jim. There you go. Stokon writes in and says, Hi guys, I didn't get a chance to watch this week, but my memory of the movie is that I didn't enjoy it as a kid, but I really liked it when I tried it again as an adult. The movie accomplished a few great things. It made me feel like I understood Howard Hughes. It made me want to learn more about him. And it was on its own, biopic or not, a damn good movie, Mm. rating four and a half out of five. Nice. How Lassner. old is Stefan if he saw it when he was a kid? Uh, I believe he's in his 20s. Oh, my God. Yeah, really his no, he'd have to be older yeah. than that. Because uh, he would have been two years old when this movie came out if he was in his 20s. Well, he didn't say two, he saw it as if he was 20. Came out, you know? Yeah, okay. yeah, if he's 20. Yeah, I'm trying to do math on the fly. Don't, don't do right. math in your head. But uh, anyway, Stefan can write in and tell us how old he is if he wants to. Um, yes. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Like, it's, um, you know, the... Uh, I, it did really help me understand Howard Hughes for better or for worse. Like, I mean, he's like, you can both sympathize with a lot of what he's going through mental health wise in this movie, while also acknowledging like some of the disgusting behavior yeah. of him in this movie towards <laughs> the females in this movie, big roles and small roles. I mean, we see it right off the bat with the coconut grove scene when he's like <laughs> feeling up the cigarette girl waitress. Like it's not great. It's real bad. Like you're, he's just I mean, kind of a skeezy guy, and that's a that's an interesting connection yeah. to last week because we see exactly. that with Charlie. That was going to be uh, one of my connections. Yeah, was his, yeah. Both of them have uh, inappropriate behavior towards females uh, of their own age and younger. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. He did try to marry a 15-year-old, just like Charlie Chaplin did. <sighs> so it's not great. No. All right. Um, so that's four and a half. Also, my brother gave it a four. Uh, ah, okay. So I don't know right. if you factor that into the average, Brendan. Uh, so we are at a 3.85. 3.85. All right, from the listeners. All right, Megan, you get to go first. Yeah, I have given this movie a four, and I, yes. So it it's, I think I said in my last Letterboxd review that it's like, for Scorsese, it's not that great. Mm-hmm. But like, if a lot of other people directed this, I'd be like, wow. You know, so it's kind of unfair because Scorsese's standard is so high that I feel like I could probably give all of his movies like four and a half or five stars. But the floor is very high already. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, for like and I, I don't know it's what you were saying before about like ratings being it's hard to like, you know, exactly. Mm-hmm. compare. Yeah. So if I compare it to his other movies, then I think, yeah, it's a four because it's not as good as like the top tier. Right. Um, but I think if I, I was try, I did sit down earlier today and try and do at least put my Scorsese movies into tiers. And I thought, okay, well, I think there have to be four tiers, like right. the top and then, you know, slightly above average and then average and then like below average. And I would, I think I would put it in the second tier probably okay. out of those four. So um, right. yeah, I really like it. I like watching it. Like it's fun to watch. I probably, I have this with a star is born with the Lady Gaga version where I'll watch like the first hour and then turn it off. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I feel like I could do that, you know, as soon as he and Catherine Hepburn break up, I could turn it off and right. uh, I would have seen most of the stuff that I enjoy most about it. Yeah, their their breakup is where I pause the movie to go to the bathroom. Like when yeah. they, when he drops her off at the studio and she meets uh, Spencer Tracy it's... for the first time is when I is when I pause the movie to go to the bathroom. So yeah, yeah. And that no. guy did not look anything like Spencer no. Tracy. No, he didn't. He looked more like Treat Williams. That's Kevin. Well, oh, what is that guy's? I, I, I don't know. Ke- but the uh, actor, there was also. Kevin O'Rourke. Is the you can see in the background when Howard shows up in the plane to mm. you know pick her up when they're filming Sylvia Scarlet. The, the actor who's playing Cary Grant looks nothing like Cary Grant either. Yeah. So, yeah. As you were talking about this movie, and I'm just going to go into my review. Um as you were talking about this movie being made by another director, how would it be as good? Uh, I, I was thinking, like, what if, and I don't know if he was ever rumored, but like, what if Steven Spielberg had made this movie? That would, um, I could see, like, it's a, it, yeah. it has a Spielberg quality. I could it see that. It does feel like Spielberg. And I think it's I, a lot glossier. I think it's a yeah. lot, um, I think he, he, he countersinks some of the rough riches <laughs> of this movie. Yeah. 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 Uh, Let's. Well, I think Michael Mann was originally going to do yes. it. And he's one of the producers of this. Yeah, so also, which would be interesting. Beatty, Warren Beatty wanted to make a Howard Hughes biopic in the 70s. Speaking of... So. Uh, the, other, and the other thing that's uh, interesting is that uh, I think Leo and Marty were thinking about doing an Alexander the Great biopic, and then mm-hmm. they did this one instead, I think. And then I guess they let Brad Pitt do Alexander? Well, uh, Oliver Stone. Oh, Oliver, Oliver Stone and Colin Farrell. That's right. It's Colin Farrell, yeah. not Brad Pitt. Yeah. 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 You're, thinking, you're, thinking you're thinking of, of Troy. Troy. Of Troy, yeah. Which I like Troy. I, I also I like Troy. Troy. Yeah. I'm going to um, go back to the fangirl thing, but Eric Bana's beard is very hot. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, all right. My rating is... So my rating is, I was thinking about the Steven Spielberg version of this movie. Yeah. And we watched the Steven Spielberg version of this movie last year. Yeah. And it's yep. Catch Me If You Can. And right. I kept thinking about Catch Me If You Can and that's in so many ways as I was watching mm-hmm. this. It's the obvious, very clear movie map. Uh, I give Catch Me If You Can a four star last yep. year. Uh, obviously, you know, my favorite actor, Tom Hanks, is in that movie. Um, and I 
really like Catch Me If You Can a lot more. Uh, I mean, not a lot more, but like I liked it half a star more. So uh, I can't give this, you know, if we're talking about ratings, I can't give this a higher rating than than Catch Me If You Can. So I'm going to give this three and a half. Um, I liked it again. I felt the I felt the runtime. I think I'm like, you know, right there with like Jim, Kyle, Jeff and just some of their criticisms of this movie. Um, I do think like the the planes are very cool. It is like there was a lot of interesting elements of this Mm-hmm. Um, outside of being about Howard Hughes, I don't know if there's like a full like theme between all of them. Um, like just like connective tissue that was like, why are we seeing these moments of his life? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I would have just like, I wouldn't have trimmed characters. I just would have trimmed like the scenes down a little bit. Gotten this closer to like two and a half if I could have. So, uh, three and a half, but you know, perfectly good movie. Um, but this is one where the first watch, I, I remember liking this better than I actually did like it on this watch. Megan, you were just scowling at me through all. I wasn't scowling, but I, like, <laughs> I, I you're you're going against my uh, assertion that all Scorsese movies improve on subsequent viewings. Mm. So. And I didn't feel that way about Taxi Driver either. I felt like Taxi oh. Driver wasn't as good. I mean, it's, it, there's there's things. To, I just like. I think what happens is for me is when I know where the movie is going. Sometimes, on a rewatch, I'm like, let's get there, and I kept wanting to get there, and I, I didn't want to stay there. So. Mm. Here's I don't know if they're thing. all like that, but a couple. Yeah. Here, here's the thing. I love movies about movies. I love biopics. I love well-made movies about movies that are also biopics, starring one of the best actors of our generation and directed by one of the best directors. What do you mean um, one of? For both this, those guys, you could just take out one of. Yeah, fair enough, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. It's, we can argue. We can argue if we need to. But basically what I'm saying is I think this is a nearly perfect movie for me. Oh, wow. Um, I love this movie. Uh, from the moment Leo walks into the Coconut Grove and we get the, yes, Rufus Wainwright, I'm on a stairway to paradise scene and shot and he's singing the song and Leo's walking across the room and you're like immediately immersed in this world of classic Hollywood. And I love it. Like, I and I live it the entire way. Um, I think this is a nearly perfect movie. Like I said, there are some things that I would like change. I think there's some not great, um, you know, things that they try to do to stay true to how Hugh Howard, who Howard Hughes is that they could have, um, you know, done better um, or tightened up. Uh, but overall, I think this is a really strong movie and it definitely deserved all of the nominations that it got, but it probably should have won for some of them. Um, it's not a perfect movie. I'm not giving it a five, but it is a four and a half for me. Nice. It's good that you really liked it. Uh, it's good that it held up for you. I think you. I think yeah, you should up. take this as a launching pad to rewatch Shutter Island. Yeah, you should. Yeah, maybe you should do that. So, all right. So that's we're kind of all over the map. So three and a half for me, four for Megan, yep. four and a half from Brendan, three point eight from the listeners. That's, that's, that's at the high part of the map. Yep. That means <laughs> all over the <laughs> okay. map. Yeah, it's but like, like, like it's the clouds are in Oakland, part of the map. It's true. Yeah, yeah, okay, <laughs> that's fair. Uh, all right, what does that give us for uh, average? 3.95, which will round up to a 4.0 for Letter Dot. Nearly a four on the dot, all right. Yeah, nearly a four on the dot. All right, let's, uh, we're not going to rush through these parts, but let's, like, just pick up the pace a little bit. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. this clock. What is our, who is our hero of the movie? Uh, Megan, who's your hero uh, of the movie? I'm going say Leo. Leo, all right. You know, you don't have to like, you know, super rush. I'm just saying, like, we'll just. Oh, that's it. Like, <laughs> he's the best. Uh, yeah. Um, my hero. I, I should have had an answer to this. As I'm saying, we should. My sub hero is uh, Ian Holm because hilarious. There you go. 
Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Alan Alda. I just, I really like that performance. I think like in the limited amount of screen time, I thought he was really good. And it's cool for him to play a villain. Cause like, I, he's so beloved from MASH. I know you guys haven't watched MASH, but yeah. he, he's beloved. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, me, it's probably really Leo, but I, just to be different, I'll go with Alan Alda. So. Uh, for me, it's going to be, and this is going to be a weird one, and you guys are going to think I'm insane, but Aviation. Yeah, nice. Oh, yeah. Aviation is the hero of the movie. It's I mean, very interesting. Every, everything that, like, it's the launch pad of the narrative and what drives this movie forward beat to beat through the entire movie is like the evolutions of aviation and Howard how Howard Hughes used those. Um, and I think that's so. Yeah, aviation. There we I go. For me, one of the most interesting aviation things, innovation. Yeah, and I don't know. I have no idea if this is historically accurate. But was he if he was really the person who came up with the idea that you should fly above the weather to avoid turbulence? I was like, oh, you know, I never thought about that before. Yeah, because, it makes so much sense. Yeah, yeah so much sense. It's obvious. People don't want to fly. Of course, that's what you do. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, well, let's get into some connections. We already talked about a bunch of them. Um, yep. So uh, I have a fun one, though. Um, uh-huh. Both of these biopics mm-hmm. were about Hollywood people in the you know early parts of the 20th century. They both have alliterative names, CC and HH. Ooh, good one. Oh, yeah, that's true. There you go. So and maybe that can work into our title connection, that like yep. alliterative biopic, alliterative Hollywood biopics or something like that. Yep. And they mm-hmm. both had multiple roles within their production companies between directing mm-hmm. and producing and writing and cinematography and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. We talked about the unfortunate underage connection. And just many Hollywood yeah. women. Um, yeah. Uh, well, and then and the, everything, everything Hollywood. Yeah. yeah the, the, is it the Nancy Travis character who kind of freaks mm-hmm. out at Chaplin is the same yep. as the Faith Demurg in this exactly. movie. Yep. And then there's like the scenes of them both obsessively editing a movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I thought it was a very good connection, actually. They yeah. both get accused of the it's with Chaplin yes. the McCarthy thing, and then yep. Hughes is accused of being a war profiteer. Which that hearing I thought was really interesting because what he says about you know basically, like yeah, I never produced the planes, but we tried, and it's like yeah, you have to. Sometimes the government is not supposed to run at a profit. That's not the point yeah, exactly. of government. And also, yeah. there were all these other companies. Well, you say that as a Canadian. Well, yes, and I mean. <laughs> But also there were all the, like he says, there were all these other companies that also didn't produce any planes. Exactly. They're not being drug in front of the committee. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and the whole thing about how it was, it was one trip who wrote the bill. Exactly. I was like, Mm -hmm. hmm, where have we heard that before? Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, very, very much. uh, Yeah. I I put also just like government agent investigation uh, of both. um, Sure. And, uh, and lots of footage scandal. of footage yeah. of movies. We had silent movies and the transition yeah. from silent to talkies happening in this. They both both movies featured, about, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they both, both movies use... featured the stock market crash as well as yep. an event oh. in, the, in the movie. Yep. And they both use footage from the actual, like, oh, yeah, because there's from real the actual, footage. Yep, yep, yeah, footage. they both um, they both have um, complicated relationships with their mothers, who have an mm-hmm. obsession. That's true. Yep. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, and, and mental illness. Mental illness is in both movies. Yeah, that's uh, right. Yep. For sure. Yep. Uh, and one that I cannot believe nobody's touched on, but for what, however many weeks in a row this is, we had a character with an accent. Uh, you know, <laughs> um, Howard's accent, I, that Texas accent. They so. both have iconic mustaches. Oh yeah. Howard's but at least we're getting a good. I will yeah. say at least we're getting a good Southern accent this time, yeah, unlike yeah. Devil's Advocate and Ghost. Right, right, right. And so say uh, Leo's mustache. Not as good as Eric Bana's beard. Mm. Yeah. Um, 
All right. So I'll just leave connection. Yeah. Uh, I, one more thing. There was a quote yes. in this lo- in this movie where Howard says, "I will leave this country and never come back." Of course, yeah. Charlie did leave this country That's and right. never, and never came come back. back. Almost never came back. Almost yeah. never came back. Uh, I mean, I was thinking for my title connection is the line I opened this podcast with, which is "Silent pictures are yesterday's news." I like it. I, I I almost called my shot and said, not only is that quote going to be the quote, that'll be the title connection, but silent pictures of yesterday's news, a line said in the aviator. So, um, yes. All right. Uh, connections to other movies uh, from this year. Uh, I just had a couple. We had scenes in a hospital, um, which yep. we've had a bunch of times. We had a trial slash hearing. Yep. Um, so devil's advocate. Trials and hearings, um, mental illness. Yep. Um, and a big one. Megan, there's a huge one. Do you know what this huge one is? This movie no. ends. Somebody crashing this... a car into somebody else. No, <laughs> this movie ends with the song "Moonlight Serenade." Yep. Yeah, and that is also the song played at the end of the Notebook by the two yeah. characters. Was it? With, the... yeah. Yep, it is. I did not remember that. And it is not the song that is played at the end of Avengers Endgame, Stephen Peggy's song, which sounds very similar. Brett and I were talking about this last night. It actually is a different song. Yeah, I had to Google it and make sure because I was like convinced it was the same song. It was not. Maybe this was just me, but when he's at having lunch with the senator and he serves in that gross-looking fish, all I could oh, think yeah. was, eat the fish, eat the fish, bitch, you know, from Osage oh, yeah, 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 County. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good call. Yeah, that's a good Show one. Uh, southern accents in both of those. I don't think we had a lot of actor connections outside of John C. Riley showing up in The Hours. I think that's the only actor who showed up in this that was in other movies we've done this year. So. Um, there you go. Any other connections to other movies from this year you guys want to bring up? No. All right. Uh, do, is, do we even need a discussion about the movie map? Is there anything other than Catch Me No, it's Catch Me If You Can. I mean, I we had Pan Am yeah. featured prominently in both movies. Okay, Leo yeah. is a, you know, Leo is a pilot in both. Um, yeah, it's 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 Catch Me If You Can. The only other yeah, thing yeah. I was thinking, I feel like, uh, you know, meet, like Meet the Parents is a good. Um, right. And then what? there was something else that I thought of. Uh, I forget where I, I wrote mean, this down. Actually, I thought like Edward Scissorhands was kind of. In a weird way, mm. a good connection is like yeah. the, the guy who's... of the long fingernails. <laughs> <laughs> I did not think of that, but yes. <laughs> but like you know, the the Vincent Price is the inventor, and then he creates this, you know, guy who's like considered a freak. And uh, anyway, yeah, yeah sort of, uh, yeah. sort of similar, yeah. not really. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some other ones that we can connect to. Obviously, all the ones that we mentioned earlier, um, you know, Mean Streets, Scorsese movie that yeah. we did last year, Mash because of Alan Alda. Um, Boogie Nights because of a movie about movies uh, starring Jesse mm-hmm. Riley or co-starring Jesse Riley. If Shutter Island hadn't been two years ago, for sure oh, yeah, that yeah, would yeah. be the other obvious one. Yeah, but yeah. Sure. Yep. That's the movie Atlas. That's uh, right. <laughs> all right. Yeah, the movie. Exactly. Yes. Uh, as we keep expanding. All right. Uh, I think we're um, to one last thing, and then we can yep. move on to the ladder well, for next week. I already yep. said my one last thing, and so did Brendan. I did too, but um, I will say that uh, Hell's Angels won Best Picture. So there you go. No, it didn't. Did it not? I thought it did. I don't think so. Mm -mm. Pretty sure it did. Megan's crooked even for all and correct you. That's might have to look that up. Never mind then. It's not a one last thing. I thought Hell's Angels won Best Picture in 1920, whatever. All right. Well, I will go. My one last thing. My one last thing. No, I'm not even going to My one last thing. I watched a lot of gross things this week. I watched Antichrist. I watched Crimes of the Future, which had some gross stuff in it. Uh, one of the grossest things I saw this week was when a character washes his hands so hard that he cuts himself. It's uh, uh yeah, there's, 
I don't, did you guys, do you guys watch Buffy? Have you ever seen Buffy? There's a line yeah. where, yeah, there's a line that Spike says to Angel at one point. They say when you've drawn blood, you've exfoliated. And mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what it made me think of. But yes, it is very gross. Yeah. Uh, I was surprised. I did not remember anything I like would have had to turn away from, but that was definitely gross. Uh, also, oh, actually, here's one other one last thing, because this is a note that I had in my notes, and I did want to put this out. The uh, the Owen uh, the Owen and Howard. I have Owen and Howard. That's not right. But the hostile takeover um, discussion that happens when uh, when Howard is in the was locked in the room and Alec Baldwin's character Juan. Yeah, I think it, I think right, my phone right. corrected Juan to Owen. Uh, that when him and and when Juan and Howard are having the discussion about like this is why you should give me rights to TWA, uh, right. it's happening and he's like bullying him and it's happening right in front of the Scarface poster. And I thought that was just really great placement to have like a gangster like this is basically a gangster scene happening in front of a gangster yeah. movie poster. Mm-hmm. That is my That's actual good. one last thing. I thought that was good. Good. Cool. Mine was going right. to be about uh, Maine. So I already said. Oh that. yeah, you talked about that. Yep. All right, so that is uh, four stars for The Aviator, along with lots of rankings of uh, Scorsese, Leo movies. Now it is time to jump over to our next rung on the ladder, figure out what we're going to be watching next week based on suggestions sent in from the listeners. And each of us, your hosts, have brought a movie, a list of movies, and we're going to pick from those for our finals. Uh, what do you think? Do you think there's going to be a lot of crossover between like listener and host suggestions this week? Possibly. I think a lot of things are going to get crossed off. Yeah, regardless, based yeah. on the listeners. We'll see. Yeah, I, have a, I have a feeling. All right, so we're going to start with Jeff, and he's got uh, Step Brothers. Mm-hmm. That's John C. Riley and oh, and Adam Scott uh, in both of those. Oh, yeah. yep. I've never seen that. Yeah. Uh, Talladega Nights. Uh, I think okay. that's just John C. Riley is the connection there. Yep. Um, and The King's Speech, so another biopic, uh, if we continue I biopic month. And then a movie that came up earlier, a biopic about a character with mental illness, that is The Beautiful Mind. A Beautiful Mind. Yep. Yeah, I guess Talladega Nights, The Connection, could also be going really fast in a vehicle. Oh, okay. true. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Save that for the title connection. All <laughs> right. Uh, next one, uh, Christopher, these are Olin's suggestions, and of course, you know, Olin's not going to pick anything that was made after, like, 1950. So, first one, <laughs> 1933, Christopher Strong, yep. Catherine Hepburn plays a famous aviator. Uh, yeah, has one of that's her right. Most iconic outfits. Very oh nice. yes! Oh my gosh! Yes, she's dressed like a bug or something. It's crazy. I I watched that movie. Yeah. I am. I never remember that it's Catherine with an yeah, A. Yeah. Uh, I always Catherine. spell it wrong. Yeah, Catherine. Catherine. Yeah. Yep. Uh, next one. Uh, this one uh, might have been talking about this or something uh, somewhat related to this. Mm-hmm. 1927 Wings, World War One aviation battle movie that remained as a silent picture, winning the film a Best Oscar, Best Picture mm-hmm. Oscar. Yep, and that's the movie that I mixed up earlier on the podcast with uh, the one we were talking about, Hell's Angels, saying it won Best Picture. Yes. Um, I was thinking about Wings, Wings. and that email right. from Holman. So. Um, speaking of movies directed by Howard Hughes, The mm-hmm. Outlaw from 1943, psychological western about Billy the Kid and Doc Holliday and Pat Garrett. Jane Russell's debut with uh, the promotion campaign, making her a leading pinup for American soldiers. Mm-hmm. I, he- I heard that movie was all about tits. Yep, that's what uh, I heard, too. And, you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe all about tits can be our title connection, our title, <laughs> our title connection. <laughs> all right. Uh, we've got Kyle coming back. And uh, it is June. And so he has pride. Happy Based Friday on the month. true story of a group of gays and lesbians supporting a 1984 miners' strike mm. uh, in the in the same time period as It's a Sin. Um, 
Is the Wait, connection the there connection? just a true What's the story? connection to the aviator? I, I don't know. This, this is what he wrote. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's that it's a true story. <laughs> okay. Yeah, based on a true story. It must be based on a true story. I, yeah, I guess. Uh, I love you, Philip Morris. Biographical black comedy. <laughs> Jim character. Jim Carrey's character falls in love with uh, Ewan McGregor's character while they're in prison. One mm-hmm. reviewer said, "Think, catch me if you can." Mashed up with Brokeback Mountain. If Mel Brooks directed, and you get the idea. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. and apparent. I think um, who was it? Someone, some other director was going to make a Howard Hughes biopic starring Jim Carrey. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I've seen that movie. That was. Yeah, that was pretty funny. We also <laughs> talked about Jim Carrey was in the running to play Charlie Chaplin last yep. week. Oh, which but, I can't see. Yeah. Uh, one of the Hollywood Ten is the next one. Biopic starring Jeff Goldblum. Drama mm-hmm. focuses on the screenwriter, director Herbert Bieberman and his efforts to make what would become the historic political film Salt of the Earth in 1954. Produced without studio backing after he's blacklisted for belonging to the American Communist Party. Mm-hmm. So we go, go back to McCarthy. Yeah. yeah. And then Kill Your Darlings, another biopic. Daniel Radcliffe portrays my favorite queer beat poet, Alan Ginsberg. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's on my watch list. I have I not seen, seen it, it, but I will. Yeah. All right, we've got Stefan Johnson, Thor Ragnarok, a historical film with Kate Blanchett. I can say it's <laughs> historical because I live in Sweden and North and South <laughs> mythology used to be the religion here. There you go. That's good. Next I like one. that. Yeah, next one, Pearl Harbor, historical film with Alec Baldwin. And Kate, also, or Kate Beckinsale. Lots of planes. Oh, yeah, Kate Beckinsale. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Lots of planes, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Gangs in New York, historical film with Leo and John C. Riley, of course, made by yep. Martin Scorsese. Mm-hmm. And then a bonus suggestion from Stefan, a movie that came up earlier uh, that Brendan mentioned that is Top, Top Gun mm-hmm. Maverick because of the film, the planes. Um, definitely the way the planes are, are shot in this is mm-hmm. similar to how the flying is shot in the aviator. Well, so they're both test pilots at the beginning of the movie. I was yep. thinking that the beginning of the movie was very similar. So. Yep. I definitely I have. I haven't seen Top Gun Maverick, but I definitely was like, oh, it's kind of appropriate to be watching this when everybody's talking about Top Gun. So, yeah. yeah. Yep. 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 Um, that'll uh, actually I'm just going to skip to one. So this one is Sammy Chester. By way of Olin, because he reminded me of this chat, I, I asked in the 32 Fans Movies group if anybody had anything for the Aviator podcast, and Olin reshared a Sammy Chester post, and Sammy said, if you like Top Gun and are considering watching the Aviator, it's worth checking out the OG dogfight movie, Hell's Angels, and it is there fully you available on YouTube. So Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Hell's Angels by Sammy Chester. There we go. By way of Olin. So. Okay. Yeah, kind of a bonus, a bonus pick. Oh, and I'll get half credit maybe or something like that. Something like um, oh, you already yeah. put it in there. Okay. They did. And then uh, Jim Crumley, ladder rung another story about men behaving in pursuit of riches. In the first half of the 1900s, there will be blood. Both yep. films mm. have references to milk in memorable scenes <laughs> and mentally ill lead characters with bizarre quirks. Yep, there you go. Mm. So both uh, uh, historical epics as well, I would say. It's true. And then my brother, who's in town right now, um, yep. but he said he just watched Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. And he said, you guys should watch that. And I said, funny, you should mention that we're doing a Scorsese movie next week. So maybe Alice Doesn't Live Here could be our pick. He also suggested Guess Who's Coming to Dinner because of Catherine Hepburn. And it's well, one Hepburn of the best Tracy, movies. Right? Yeah. Uh, yes. Good point. And it's one of the best movies ever. Um, yep. You know, of course, like, you know, uh, Meet the Parents, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. Got to yeah. meet those parents. <laughs> yep. 
All right. That is our listener suggestions. Megan, you get to go first. Or I guess if you want to go last, you can go last. I'll go first. Okay. So I have uh, the 2015 version of Cinderella. Nice. Now, I'm actually planning to do that for the Movie Ladder Multiverse of Madness this week. Because last week I watched Cruella. Um, which is a live-action Disney movie that won Best Costume at the Oscars. Cinderella uh, did not win Best Costume, but it was nominated. And it is Kate Blanchett plays the um, what the stepmother, and Sandy Powell, who did the costumes for The Aviator, also did the costumes for Cinderella. So that is nice. my first suggestion. Second suggestion, Hugo. Mm. It's a Scorsese movie that goes into film history, and Jude Law is in it. Nice. Oh, nice. Okay. So, yep. Um, Jude June, June, if we pick that one. Oh, Jude June. Jude June. (laughs) Uh, Number three, Pat and Mike, which is a Hepburn and Tracy comedy where she plays golf. So I thought that was appropriate. She plays Mm -hmm. an athlete. Mm -hmm. That's very funny. Um, Then number four. Okay, Brendan was saying you feel like you're kind of the target demographic for the aviator. Well, Mm -hmm. I felt like the Great Gatsby 2013 was made (laughs) just for me. So um, I love Neil. I actually love Tobey Maguire, too. Love uh, Baz Luhrmann. Love, you know, the soundtrack had Florence and the Machine. It had Jack White's cover of Love is Blindness by U2. Basically, I saw the trailer and was like, this is my movie. So I and it's it's about Leo playing a rich guy in the 20s. So I figured, you know, that's a pretty good connection. And then I have uh, Iron Man 2, which the more I think about it, I feel like Iron Man 2 is like a remake of The Aviator. Mm. Um Tony Stark's based on uh, Howard Hughes. I feel like Justin Hammer is kind of the one trip and yeah. you also see Tony testifying at a Senate hearing with uh, Gary Shandling, right? Oh, nice. Gary and and Tony, yeah, Tony Stark's father is named Howard Stark. And That's Howard right. Stark also very much and Howard yeah, well, and Howard Stark is a major factor in Iron Man too. So Howard Stark yeah. was named after Howard Hughes. Also. That's right. And the, or well. Yes, that's right. And then my, mm-hmm. I do have, I have a sixth suggestion, which I suggested last week, but I'm suggesting again, sing it in the rain because it's such a good, um, you know, transition from silence to sound. Yeah. And I feel like the it's red Jesus. carpet scene in the Aviator is almost exactly the red carpet scene in Singing in the Rain. And I actually, the last time I watched uh, the Aviator, I think I found there is actually footage on YouTube from the premiere of Hell's Angels. Mm-hmm that uh, I watched it and was like, holy crap, that scene in Singing in the Rain is extremely accurate of what it was like back then. So mm. anyway, yeah, that's my other suggestion. Okay. Great. Um, all right, who's next? Is it me or you? You are, Zachary. You are next. I'm ne- oh my God, I have so many movies on my list. I, I was hoping that you would go next. You could take them. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, the only ones that got taken off my list were Top Gun, Maverick, and Gangs of New York. Um, so I'm going to have to think through these. Narrow them uh, down, buddy. Narrow them All right. First one. So I just saw a Cronenberg movie. I'm like in the mood to see more Cronenberg movies. There is a Cronenberg movie from the late 90s that I had not even heard of until actually my brother watched it last week and said, this is a great movie. You should watch this. Uh, it's called Existence. Uh, it's Existence. Existence. With, Existence. Yeah. With Existence. Yes. Yes. Jude Law. Ian Holm and Kate Blanchett all oh, in the movie. Yeah. Wow, so, really? And David Cronenberg is every time about David Cronenberg right now because his newest movie just came out. So I thought timing would be good. Um, sci-fi, you know, kind of body horror. Uh, I don't really know much else about it, but I Hang think it on. got kind of it got kind of like swept up over because of the Matrix was like similar mm-hmm. ideas and came out around the same time. So it kind of got lost in the shuffle when Matrix came out. So that's my first one. Uh, my second one. 
to the surprise of nobody, a movie where Howard uh, Howard Hughes plays a very important role. This time he is played by John Locke himself, Terry O'Quinn. That is the Rocketeer. I mean, it's, it's like yeah. it's that, that was my introduction to Howard Hughes. Uh, Terry O'Quinn plays him. Great fun adventure and same time period, and we're getting Howard Hughes as like an actual character in that movie. Um, I've never seen that. Next, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's so fun. It's maybe 10 years old, 12 years old. Mm. All right. You guys, are, you guys are telling me why you should pick it. Uh, <laughs> next one, uh, you know, I, I brought it up in my one last thing. I've never seen it. It's Scarface. Howard Hughes produced. Howard Hawks. Yep. It's mentioned in this movie. Um, going back to the original Scarface. And who knows, maybe we have our next two weeks lined up if we do Scarface and Scarface for the next two weeks. Um, Say hello to my little friend. Yes. So uh, how'd you get that scar? Eating pineapple? Yeah. Um, mm. <laughs> which is that's the tv added version of that line uh <laughs> and uh all right next one uh catherine hepburn Spencer tracy and a trial adam's rib it's supposed to be one of the mm. best comedies yep. of all time mm-hmm. never seen it on my list as well that was gonna be my hepburn and tracy suggestion nice so that's my number four uh number five we just lost Ray Liotta. It's been on my rewatch list for a while why don't we just go from the uh coconut grove to the copacabana and do goodfellas never yeah, had time to well. watch goodfellas yeah. Um, all right, and I'll do one more. Um, I'll do a Leo movie that I've been wanting to watch. Um, again, a director who just made a new movie. He just made the new Doctor Strange movie. That is Sam Raimi. Uh, he has a Western that he made that co-stars Leonardo DiCaprio called The Quick yeah. of the Dead. Quick of the Dead. I, I love that movie. That. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen it. Um, it's really I've been watching a lot of Sam really Raimi fun. movies lately. Uh, Sam Raimi is great. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then it's I have a whole fun. bunch of movies on my on my honorable mentions, but I will leave them. All right, here we go. So there are a few things knocked off of mine. Um, whew. Uh, first, uh, if we're going to talk about classic Hollywood biopics or alternate histories of classic Hollywood, uh, the story of George Reeves, played by Ben Affleck in Hollywoodland, is the first one that I'm going to suggest. Nice. Um, also thought about, since we've done two biopics back-to-back, why don't we do a parody of a biopic starring John C. Riley, uh, <laughs> Walk Hard, the legend Dewey Cox. The second movie in my uh, actual movie ladder, way back when I started in 2018. Yep. Um, also thought it might be fun to revisit Inception and get a different Leo. It would be, I'm sure. Um, so that's going to be my third one. A lot about Inception. Yep. Uh, then I thought about also um, the sort of carnival barker aspect to uh, Leo in this movie when he's trying to sell everything and the mental illness involved and then Kate Blanchett. So I thought about Nightmare Alley, uh, the more my recent list. one that came out last year. So that's going to be my fourth. Uh, and then it's around the same time. I think it takes yep. they probably both take place in like the 30s ish. So we mentioned earlier in the podcast that Warren Beatty wanted to make a Howard Hughes movie. Uh, in the 1970s, he did make a Howard Hughes movie in the 2000s, eventually, where he plays an older Howard Hughes called Rules Don't Apply. Hmm. Um, apparently, it's a rom-com. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know anything about it. But uh, one, two, three, those are going to be my suggestions. And I'm going to end there because we right. took the rest of my really good ones. Nice. I'm always glad when I do that. Uh, all right, all right, Chicago my, Chicago my, was on my also rands. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a movie called The Hoax starring Richard Gere that is about someone who, the, as we were talking about, the person who claimed to have written an autobiography of Howard Hughes 
and there was this whole case about whether he actually did it or not. Um, and starring Richard Gere, but it's not supposed to be a very good movie, so I didn't want to make it an official connection. Uh, Mank was an obvious connection as well oh, that I didn't Mank. use. Mm. And uh, The Departed. I did not. Dep- I ended up picking uh, Inception over to The Departed. So there we go. Um, there's a movie that I always kind of, I don't know why, they're not that similar, but I always think of uh, with The Aviator, and that's Benjamin Button. Um, mm. I guess because oh, it's Kate like. Blanchett. Yeah, Kate Blanchett's uh, yeah, in both. Sure. And it's, I mean, this is not why, but it's Leonardo DiCaprio's co-star in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Brad Pitt is in that movie. Right. Uh, both kind of epics made by really prominent filmmakers. And I, I guess they came out around the same time. Maybe they came out like back-to-back winters or something like that. Benjamin um, Button, 2008? Yeah. It's, but it, I do think, yeah, like I think yeah, it's I said 2008, it, I, so I don't know why I confused them, really. I think I said at the beginning of this podcast that I feel like The Aviator is one of Scorsese's most conventional conventional movies. I definitely mm-hmm. think Benjamin Button is, although it's not very conventional, but it's less dark than most of David Fincher's yeah. movies. Yeah. So it's probably yeah. the most, like, palatable for people. Right. I feel like, like, Fincher and Scorsese are, like, too much for Hollywood somehow, because they're right. too... Yeah, and same with Cronenberg and, and I think Spike Lee, too, that they just are like misfits in Holly and Oliver Stone a little bit. But anyway, yeah. my also so we, ran... could have, we could have done like Nixon or, or Malcolm right. X. Nixon would be, bad. Oh yeah. Well, Malcolm X actually, if you did Goodfellas, cause Malcolm X is very influenced by Goodfellas, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, my also rans, I mean, I think they were all taken, but I had Gilbert Grape. I had Hell's Angels, Top Gun. And I also had Titanic because mm-hmm. there it's uh it's, Leo co-starring with a Kate. And I also, when they were talking about how Hell's Angels was like the most expensive movie ever made and how mm-hmm. they thought he was crazy, I kept thinking of James Cameron. Titanic, and also yeah. there's the dinner scene where um, Jack meets her disapproving uh, rich friends. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> But I was like, I'm not going to suggest Titanic because they're not going to do it. <laughs> I mean, you have to be back. You'd have to come back again. Next week. You'd have to come back. Oh, I definitely way. would. Yes. I mean, you're not going to do Titanic <laughs> without me. Uh, I, I, I said bring it out the dead. <laughs> Oh, I love bringing out the dead. Yeah, just because that, that's yeah. like one of my Scorsese blind spots. Stan and Ollie, which came up last week yeah. um, in terms of uh, John C. Riley, silent movie star. Uh, Pick your Lord of the Rings with Kate Blanchett and Ian Holm. Uh, I think oh, yeah. Fellowship is probably the, it would the be one Fellowship. the most. Yeah. Fellowship yeah. is the best one, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Uh, AI, because Jude Law and mm. Keith oh. Campbell oh, are yeah. both in that. Um, AI is underrated. That, yeah, I do like AI. And it's one I want to revisit, even though I just yeah. watched it for the I first time. I need to revisit AI, yeah. Yeah. And then I had Ed Wood just for, you know, a mm. Hollywood filmmaker in this time period. Yeah, so, I love that lots movie. Of, lots of honorable mentions and lots of choices. Um, so Brett is going to read them all. What do you think? Should we do each pick two? Should we just pick one? Um, there's a lot of choices. but There's, there's a lot of choices this week since we all pick six. I think we have to pick two. One listener right. and one from each other, each of okay. us. Okay. All right. I'm ready. I will start with Jeffrey. So I hope he doesn't let me call him Jeffrey. Uh, Step Brothers, <laughs> Talladega Nights, The King's Speech. A Beautiful Mind, Christopher Strong, Wings, The Outlaw, Pride, I Love You, Philip Morris, One of the Hollywood Ten, Kill Your Darlings, Thor Ragnarok, Pearl Harbor, Gangs of New York, Top Gun, Maverick, There Will Be Blood, uh, Hell's Angels, Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, Cinderella, Hugo, Pat and Mike, The Great Gatsby, Iron Man 2, Singing in the Rain, Existence, The Rocketeer, Scarface, Adam's Rib, Goodfellas, The Quick of the Dead, Hollywoodland, Walk Hard, Inception, 
Nightmare Alley and rules don't apply. I get to go first. All right. And I am going to pick... Welcome back, Kyle. I am going to pick Kill Your Darlings from Kyle's List. Because that is one I've never heard of, and it sounds really, really intriguing. Is that the one from 2013, I'm assuming? Yes. That sounds right. Dan Daniel Radcliffe. Yep, um, yep, it is. Sounds okay. good. Yep. yep. Love Dan Rad. All right. Uh, I just watched Daniel Radcliffe in The Lost City over the weekend. Not a great movie, but he is having a good time in it. I can say that much for him. All right. My pick. Uh, I'm going to go with Pearl Harbor. Uh, I've never okay. seen it. I feel like Pearl Harbor was like a reaction to Titanic as yeah. well. Yes, um, absolutely. In terms of like, let's make a historical epic starring like the new Hollywood dreamboat. Yeah. Um, I do like Josh Hartnett. Lots of planes. We've got Alec <laughs> Baldwin. Which, Kate, which, which heartthrob, Josh Hartnett or Ben Affleck? <laughs> oh, I meant Ben Affleck. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess mean, Josh, Josh Hartnett would be my choice uh, of heartthrob. He's fantastic was, in the faculty, actually. Was Kate Be- Beckinsale in oh. Pearl Harbor, too? Was yeah, that we were, she's yeah. the main female lead, yeah. Yep. yep. So, um, yeah, definitely feels like it's the like Titanic of 2001. It's not as good as Titanic. Titanic. I mean, I would I would imagine. Uh, this is Michael Bay, too, so this could make us, like, for some fun. Uh, as we get closer movie. to... Summer movie yeah, time. Yeah. Exactly. Movies. So, even though it came out in December, um, I believe. So, right. another December movie. All right, Megan, you get to pick. The listeners? Uh, I have written something down here that I can't read, but I will <laughs> pick... Um, I'm going to pick Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore because there you go. I like it. All right. Another, uh, Brenda, is that a blind spot for, is a blind spot for you as well? Yes. All right. That is a I really blind like spot that for me as well. All right, um, Brenda, you get to pick from my list. Ooh, from your list or Megan's or, no, no, list? Yeah, my list. Uh, yeah, Jeez, yours or Megan's? Megan is here too. Yeah. What She's the hell? a person in her own right. Yeah. True. <laughs> um, and I'm gonna pick the Rocketeer. Ah, nice, the Rocketeer. Rocketeer. All right, um, it's here. And for me, I'm gonna pick. Uh, Megan, you are a person. Yeah, I am. You are a person. Not just um, an actress. Not just. Not just a I'm definitely not a movie star. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I hate to like exclude you. And if I pick from Brennan's list, then none of your picks are gonna get picked. Yeah, that sucks. But. I mean, I don't know how I don't pick Inception, but I'm also thinking about Hugo, but uh, I'll take Hugo. That's fine. I'm, I'm going to have there you go. Inception could come up any time. I don't know if Inception is like the best connection anyways, even though I love it and I want Brenda to revisit it. So I'll put Hugo on the list. Um, all right. Uh, okay. Yep. I you get to pick between. Yeah. Well, I'm going to pick Existence because I've been thinking about watching all of David Cronenberg's movies uh, this year, and I've not seen that one. And, you know, he's a Canadian director, so mm-hmm. I can support my countrymen. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Willem yeah. Dafoe also in that movie. Yep. Oh, my uh, God, really? So Will, Jude Law, like, uh, I, think, I think I wrote down the wrong. I think I wrote down Kate Blanchett, and she's not in that. It's Jude Law, oh. Ian Holm, and Willem Dafoe that are in that Got movie. It. Okay. Still, it's like half the cast of the AV. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. True. Also, Christopher Eccleston. Uh, speaking of like, connect, you know, so another yeah. villain from a Thor movie. Just mm. oh yeah, that's a good one. Wrong Thor. Yeah. yeah. Wrong All right. Thor died. 
All right. All right. Um, so now I've got all of these up as we were talking, so I can see what's streaming. Uh, oh, and I yeah, should check for so Canada. You can check for Canada. Yeah. yeah. So our final picks. Uh, this is an eclectic. So pause after this each is, one. And I'll say where they're streaming. This is so. not the top six that I thought we would uh, end up with based on all of these lists. Um, we have Kill Your Darlings from Kyle. That's streaming on Stars. Um, we have uh, Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor that you were going to weird order, uh, or maybe my tabs in weird order. Pearl Harbor is streaming on Amazon Prime. Nice. Um, yep, Amazon Prime. Uh, Alice doesn't live here anymore. Alice doesn't live here anymore. Is on HBO Max. Wow. I own uh, that one, so I don't need to know where it's. Oh, uh, nice. It's on your DVD library. And I'll tell you, Pearl Harbor is on Disney Plus in Canada. Ooh, oh, nice. nice. Okay. Uh, is Rocketeer also on Disney Plus in Canada? Let me see. It check. is on Disney Plus in the United States. Oops. Oh, my thing autocorrected to racketeering. The yeah. rock, uh, <laughs> that's like that's like the government. That's like what you would a uh, government yeah. misuse of, of. Not really. That's, that's like, more. That's more like Goodfellas. Goodfellas you know? Yeah. Right. Okay. The Rocketeer. It is on Disney Plus. Yes. Nice. Uh, what about we don't talk about Hugo? Well, I own that one, so I don't care where it's streaming. Nice. Uh, that's and on HBO Max. Hugo. Nice. I wonder if Scorsese has a deal with HBO. Existence uh, is probably not streaming. It, it, well, I know that in Canada it is available on Hollywood Suite, but I don't think you... Oh, it says... Interesting. But I don't know. Is it streaming in the U.S.? It says CBS All Access, which never makes oh, any sense to me because CBS All Access doesn't... Be, yeah. It doesn't... But usually it says Paramount Plus if it's Paramount Plus. Uh, so but Just know. Watch hasn't updated everything, actually. There's, like, some weird yeah. blips that still say CBS. Yeah. I've noticed but that. But I just clicked through and it says I got a 404 error on Paramount Plus. Oh, um, uh, Okay. So, all right. Uh, so, yeah, this is an interesting mix of movies. None. The only one I definitely knew was going to make the final was The Rocketeer. Because it was the first movie I wrote down. I know it's probably the first movie you wrote down, Zach. Uh-huh. Um, uh, not the first, but it was high up. But it was close. It was high up there. Um, I think I had Goodfellas first uh, because, you know, really out of. Yeah. I haven't seen, so most of these movies I haven't seen, aside from Pearl Harbor, Existence I saw in college and don't remember anything about it. Um, mm-hmm. It was one of those late night after partying movies that somebody threw on that I remember nothing about. Um, the Rocketeer I haven't seen since I was probably 12 or 11, um, but I've been wanting to revisit it forever. Um, the only one I would say we should get rid of is We Should Kill Your Darlings, because there's really it's just not a good connection, I don't think. Like, well, no offense, Kyle. I mean, it it's, is a it is a um, Hollywood biopic, but sure. Well, it's more of a writer biopic. Yeah, he's a that's true. That's fair. Yeah, not right. Right. Sorry, Kyle. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's Ginsburg, right? Yeah. yeah, it's Ginsburg. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just don't think it's like quite. You know, when we have like a really strong I'm list, there, okay. like we, got, like, um, we do get to see the war that Howard is building the machines for in Pearl Harbor. Um, true. That's we true. did Pearl Harbor is is. Notoriously not a very good movie, but I think it, it would be an interesting discussion. I haven't seen it since it came out. I haven't and I, either. I remember it, though. Like, I remember what happens. Yeah. For sure. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty memorable because it's hard to forget Pearl Harbor. Um, yeah. We're a month shy of Pearl Harbor, right? When, when, no, when Pearl, Pearl Harbor's in December. December. Oh, December. I thought it was... Oh, yeah. I was thinking of D-Day. Oh, yeah, D-Day. We are six months past Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor is December 7th. It is June 7th. Um, Yeah, yeah, so my only, I I think Pearl Harbor is actually a great connection. My only hesitation is, like you said, it's not known as being that great of a movie, and it's even longer than The Aviator. I was gonna say, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I think it's, it's, I think I mean, it's out. Um, I, I think that we should watch either we should watch the Rocketeer or we should go for one of the two Scorsese movies. That's gonna be my. That's gonna be what I say. Um, yeah, that's um, that's fine. I, I, okay, so our final three is Hugo, the Rocketeer, yeah. and Alice doesn't live here anymore. Correct. Um, does Alice doesn't live here anymore have any connections besides being a Scorsese movie? Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's some crew connections, but I, I don't know. Unfortunately, I don't know enough about it. And I'm trying to like I can't. Nothing off the top of my head. Uh, yeah. uh, I think it's out then. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Hugo is definitely a stronger link. Right. Yep. That's what and I'm thinking. Howard that one's a... Hughes go. No, try, don't don't, do don't kill you. you know. Don't waste your uh, cast connection <laughs> or your <laughs> title connection. Oh, I just got um, that. I'm sorry. I like. <laughs> I like drifted out for a minute. <laughs> Fair. I have that effect on people. We don't talk <laughs> about we don't we don't talk about Hughes though. Yeah, um, we don't talk uh, about Hughes go. Um, yeah. so I honestly uh, I I know we. I think the Rocketeer is it. I think it's the Rocketeer, and I think we're gonna have a lot of fun. I think it's a movie. Alan Arkin I've, is also in the Rocketeer, which is not Alan Alda, but it's like the, the oh closest yeah, it's the alternate yeah, being, alternate yeah. universe Alan Alda yeah. Um, yeah. We talked a lot about Top Gun Maverick in this episode, and Jennifer Connelly is in both Top Gun Maverick Ooh. and Rocketeer. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we're going to do the Rocketeer, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, it's, a, it's a movie that's come up a ton. Yeah. It's one of my favorites from growing up. Uh, yeah, uh, Megan, and I haven't seen, seen it since I was never seen it. maybe 11. I mean, uh, yeah. And this came out, yeah, 1991. Joe Johnston. Uh, I just watched a Joe Johnston movie. Oh, Joe Johnston, uh, the, the comic book. That the Captain uh, America guy? He did Captain yeah. America the First Avenger, which you will understand why when you watch the Rocketeer. Yeah, yeah, They're yeah. very similar. For sure. Um, okay. Yeah. I just saw he did Jurassic Park 3. So, oh. new Jurassic Park movie coming out this week, too. Interesting. Um, bad guys in the Rocketeer hey. are Nazis. Paul oh, Sorvino is in it. And he, he, you know, from Goodfellas. Yep. I hope I haven't talked this movie up too much, but I just think this is like a very, this is like one of my favorite, like, fun adventure movies as a kid. Um, I haven't watched it in a few years. Um, I'm, I'm very excited to revisit it. So, Margot uh, Martindale? And it's not super Martin long. Martin. It's less than two hours. Yeah. So, we go from yeah, it's like gonna a, be low a couple weeks in a row of really long movies to a shorter movie. Um, that's just like a very fun, like. Also, you know, I mean, we haven't done enough superhero movies, you know. <laughs> no. uh, he does. We've, we've never done Iron an Man. MCU, but we do lots of superhero. So. Telling you, this would have been the week to do Iron Man too. It really would have. Also, it would have been the week to do Top Gun Maverick, but you know. Or uh, or Thor Ragnarok. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. All but right. I feel like like Iron Man two and Iron Man three together are so like Howard Hughes because he's yeah. he becomes very anxious in in Iron Man three. Yeah, that's also true. Yeah. Um, well, well, we can always go. I mean, Rocketeer connects to the Iron Man movies for sure. Easily, the, so we can always Disney go that connection. That's true. We shall uh, see. Yeah. All right, we're watching the Rocketeer. I be- yeah. Aren't they making like a Rocketeer something? I think they're making like a something from it. They're redoing it. Uh, Ooh, sure. I don't know. I've heard about them talking. Maybe I'm making this. Weren't up. they Weren't they going to make a TV show? Is that what it was? A Disney Plus? Maybe TV it was show? that. I yeah. think that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. We are watching the Rocketeer next week. It is on Disney Plus Exciting. in the U.S. and Canada. Um, also available for rental or um, you know, like I'm sure your library has it. From 1991, directed by Joe Johnston. Mm-hmm. Uh, Story of a man who has a rocket, a uh, rocket pack, jetpack. That's what it's about. Rocket man. So it is just like He is Iron the rocket man. man. Yeah. Yes, it is very simple. He is basically Iron Man, yes. Cool. Yeah. He's, or like he kind of looks like the Iron Giant as well with the mask that he wears. Mm. Mm. 
Sounds All good. right. I'm excited. That's going to be next week. Cool. All right. Uh, other than that, we are almost at the running time of the aviator. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, no. we, we did it, guys. Ooh. We did it. Uh, uh, what is one thing everybody's looking forward to watching this week? Maybe. Well, I'm gonna. I'm still gonna watch Cinderella. So I'm. I'm. I don't know. I've seen pictures of the costumes from that, and I'm like very excited to see the gowns, if nothing else. So. <laughs> Uh, Jurassic World King's Dominion comes out this weekend. Exciting. Oh, nice. <laughs> yep. uh, same. Yeah, I'm very excited yep. for that. I also probably will finish the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood book, so I'll probably end up watching that movie this weekend nice. as well. I think I'm going to watch that this weekend as well. Yep. Brian, you should. I feel like you should watch Shutter Island. Yeah, you should. I'm also, I'm also excited to go to bed and wake up and have another episode of Obi Wan Kenobi in my yes. in my face tomorrow. Oh, yes. yes. I'm. I Obi Wan is a stupid show, but I love it. It's, oh, it's I not great, it's, but it's it's, it's fun. It's, it's very candy. Fun. It is really. Yeah, are you watching candy. that again at all? Are you, no, I the last Star Wars thing I watched was actually The Force Awakens. I'm very behind. I'm yeah, probably uh, never going to get caught up at this point. Yeah, that, that's, it happens. That's hard. Yeah. So. All right, well, Megan, right. thank you for joining us. It was yeah, super thank fun. Oh, thank you for to, having uh, me. Yes, I yeah, you know, always good to have you back. Love to talk about the the Marty and the Leo of it all. Yes. Yeah. So anytime you guys are suggesting Scorsese movies or uh, Titanic, just know you're probably yeah. going to hear from Megan the next week. Absolutely. So, oh yeah. I mean, although the next yeah. the next Scorsese movie that we do, we're not going to have to go through. Ov's whole list. Maybe we'll get somebody else's full list. Of Scorsese. <laughs> Maybe by list. then I'll have made my tier list. How about that? There you go. There I'll you make go. it a goal. <laughs> so. uh, all right, Megan, where can people follow you if they want to? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at, at Cosmic Library or on Letterboxd. My username there is just Megan, M-E-A-G-H-A-N. She's been on Letterboxd forever. Since I have. before I even knew Letterboxd existed. Uh, I was an early yeah, adopter She's one of, of the OGs. Yeah, it's true. Sure. I stopped using it for a while, and then Todd, the librarian, was like, "You should start using Letterboxd again." And I said, yeah. "You're right." So I did. Yes. Um, shouts to Todd, the librarian. Good old yeah, Todd. Shouts to Todd the, yeah. And uh, if, you, if you're looking for a movie challenge, check out Megan's uh, oh, yeah. Renap, Robin Akiva Podcast uh, movie mm-hmm. challenge. It's it's only 24 movies over the year. So if you start now, you could do one a week and be fine for the rest of the year. Um, yep. Although a couple of those categories are very tough, as I found. Uh, I have to watch something. My next one is something starring the Olsen twins or a member of the Olsen family, and I'm so mad. Or 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 just a movie with twins. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Oh, you have. Oh, sorry. Wait, you you, yeah. Oh, yeah. You could watch twins. Have you already seen twins? Twins is fun. I don't know. I probably you probably saw it when you were like three or something. You should watch it again. I mean, I would recommend it. Um, no, I wish I would have seen. I wish I would have gotten to that num- that one before Doctor Strange because then I could have done Elizabeth Olsen uh, yeah. very easy. Doctor Strange is coming to uh, Disney Plus on June twenty second, from what I understand. Oh, nice, that's fast. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Cool. Nice. All right. Um, well, yeah. So we will uh, see everybody next week for the Rocketeer. Very excited to get to that. We'll see more Howard Hughes this time for Trick by Terry Quinn. That is something Howard Hughes would say. Yeah, he's a fun. He did man. say that in this movie.
forgot he I did. Write that down. He did it <laughs> the very beginning. Yeah. There was a there was a lot there was a line yeah. like that that I wrote down as well. Uh, all right, let's all right. Look, let's look at these letterbox reviews. Let's, let's see if there's any Oh, there's a really funny not. one. No, I, I really got to pee. Oh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you have no milk bottle. Uh, no milk bottle. I the plane crash. Bottle. The plane crash <laughs> in the aviator is so much better than the bear attack in the revenant. I thought that was pretty good. Um, the one I liked was something like Randy and Superman fights back against oppression from the neurotypical, which I thought was a fairly <laughs> accurate summary of the movie. Oh uh, yes, Randy and Superman. Yes, there we go. Uh, uh, yeah, this film is good, but it is long as a motherfucker. Just like this podcast. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs>